Hi there, it's Charles from the future. We have a fantastic guest episode for you today, but really quick, just some serious business up front. The GoFundMe for Chris Honeywell, who is the co-podcaster of Jay Guys and Jedi, who lost everything in a house fire, that GoFundMe is still ongoing. That's still going to be linked in our show notes again this week. If you are able to donate anything, if you're in a financial position to be able to do so, and you can donate even just $5 to help them get back on their feet, you can go and check out that GoFundMe. You can read about the situation, and if you're financially abled, I would encourage you to give a little bit of something to help Chris get his life back together. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gaze. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers. Prepping your intro is for lame, boring nerds, and we have a guest today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that was that me? Is that was that you tossing me the ball? That was you, but also it would have made more sense if I had not fucked that up. I was going to say we're the gay two thirds of the podcast this week and intros are for lame, boring nerds. However, I did fuck up my own one sentence intro, which should tell you I'm a professional podcaster who's been doing this for several years. You're being on brand. It's on brand. It's fine. I, it's I'm fine. keeping that consistency. Good job. We do. We do have a guest today. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, my name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show on Dark Side Divas and Marvelous Divas. Now, Stephanie, I, I assume most people listening to this show are, are going to be familiar with Dark Side Divas and Marvelous Divas. Mm -hmm. But in case they're not, would you like to share with us what those podcasts are? Uh, yeah, so it's basically uh, me and, and Chris, who is also has been on the Gold Squadron Gaze couple of times couple of times couple of times i i like violence and he provides good <laughs> violence <laughs> not physical violence you guys just emotional just, violence just emotional right. yeah there is a lot of bloodshed that can happen through a zoom call you'd be amazed <laughs> uh no my uh my good friend uh chris is the gay half of of our show and on dark side divas we're watching through all of star wars in chronological order on marvelous divas we're watching through the entire mcu in chronological order and let me tell you it's a lot uh, it's a lot, a lot, but it's it's a good time. Now, Dark Side Divas, y'all, as of recording this episode, y'all are midway through season one of Rebels. Which is is it even midway? It's a really long season, <laughs> and we just recorded episode eight. You you just the one I listened to on Monday was like episode seven ish. Seven? There was some debate about this. Empire Day. We did Empire Day. Empire Day. Day. Yeah. You're about yeah. halfway through the season. Yeah. Which means that we've already done from uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace, all the way up. We did all of Clone Wars. So if anybody's itching for a Clone Wars rewatch, go back through all of that. Um, but the chronological order thing is is kind of screwing us a little bit because we don't want to cover anything that's not already complete. Uh, so no, we haven't done Andor. We haven't done we haven't done the Bad Batch. Those things are still in progress. Um, right. So if you want to listen to somebody do Andor and Bad Batch coverage, that's this show that we're on right now. Y'all listen this to this one. Also, yeah. First Steps, I recommend. Oh, yeah. But just did both of those shows, which was fantastic. First Steps is so cool because they're doing I the same thing. They're going them. they're going chronological order, but one one of their people has never watched a Star War before. <laughs> and so it's just, it's awesome. So. Now on Marvelous Divas, y'all are up to, oh, what was that movie again? I forget the <sighs> name of it. It was really small. It didn't do Endgame. 
fucking <laughs> endgame. Okay. You guys are already oh on God. endgame? We're already on endgame, yeah. Wow, you guys are pretty far. Wait, did you do all of Agents of Shield already? Oh, that's no, how no, they no. got to endgame. No, that's how <laughs> see here's the thing. Um, Chris is a bitch and he refuses to watch Agents of Shield. <laughs> what? Um, and I'm like, it's canon. And he's like, it's seven seasons and I hate NBC. And I'm like, that's fair. So it's a whole thing. Um, we may at some point do a spinoff and and force him to sit down and fucking watch Agents of Shield. Yeah, I love Agents of Shield. I think it's I think it's classic. I mean, to be fair, I gave up about five seasons in, but I, it was still good when I watched. Yeah, I mean, it I only gets, made it to three. It gets kind of weird and gooey in the middle and doesn't make a whole fuck of a lot of sense. And then it comes back around to awesome again. Okay. Um, but no, we did do all of Agent Carter, though. So that's in there. Oh, okay. I 10 know. out of 10. Highly recommend. I had not. I watched the first season when it came out. I watched the second season alongside as I was catching up on Marvelous Divas. You watched so, the second season of Agent Carter? Was there two um, seasons? Agent, there was two seasons. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I know it so well. I only covered every <laughs> single episode on my podcast. So I, I rewatched it alongside Marvelous Divas. So I would watch the episode mm -hmm. of Agent Carter and then I would listen to the Marvelous Divas episode. 10 out of 10, I do highly recommend doing that <laughs> for like the that. show. It's a well, good time. Well, before we dive into The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 8, uh, <gasps> we have to take a brief detour because something has happened that has never happened before in the two plus year history of this podcast. And I needed to jump on it before Bradley checked our metrics and saw it, although he might have already seen it. What? Someone actually left a review. What? <laughs> Two years. Oh, Two my years. God. oh my God. That's awesome. So, yeah, That's so awesome. I have brought the review with me. Five stars. Nice. Uh, oh, so I'm going to read it very quickly mm -hmm. just to demonstrate to Steph that she's not the only one with imposter syndrome on this show. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this because you're not talking about me. So go. Mm -mm. So it's, it's from PT Long One. So thank you for the review. Uh, fun and thorough. Mm -hmm. This podcast is a very fun and witty listen. The hosts <laughs> are very thorough with the episodes and their interpretations. I love the connections between Star Wars and real history that are noted through within the episodes. A very interesting and inclusive podcast for any LGBTQ plus listener. Oh, now those of you who are listening to this, you can't see their faces right now, <laughs> but uh, but your hosts are very uncomfortable and it's amazing. <laughs> so, oh, oh, I shared it around. I actually sent that review to Aaron and I was was like see Aaron people like when you come on the show right like, yeah yeah well, so if everybody just... could leave them more reviews and make them more and more uncomfortable with uh how good their show is that would be great absolutely that would be really fantastic actually absolutely <laughs> that is the reason to do it leave us five stars and nice things and I will read them getting progressively uncomfortable as I have to say nice things like about he's myself. inching out of the frame you guys like subconsciously he's trying to leave the zoom call there you go back into back towards the middle there we're, we're trying to move we're trying to move back over toward the mic well thank you for letting us do that little digression of course and without further ado bradley do you want to take us into the mandalorian season three episode eight the something the return <laughs> the return <laughs> which, is a, which is a bit of a, a misnomer because they technically returned to last episode but that's okay john i know you only split those hairs baby i was gonna say we'll probably <laughs> right. get into why it's called the return um yeah this week the mandalorian and his allies confront their enemies steph what is one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not i really like 
<laughs> that Din Djarin, bless his heart, remains the only person in the show who has no idea he's in a Star War. He just, he just, he's, he's the sweetest himboist, just like eye on the prize, trying to get through this situation. He doesn't know that he's in high camp. He has no idea that he's surrounded by people who are just chewing the scenery all over his face. He doesn't know. But I also appreciate that he's the only person who thinks he's still in season one of The Mandalorian. Like, he still has that vibe. And he's carried that through and i credit that to all like three or four people it takes to portray this character for us uh they've maintained like original season one vibe he has not increased in the camp and the weirdness as the show has gone on like everybody else has um so he's like a true north star and i fucking love that about him and uh and it's so weird in this episode so i really like that uh in this episode a thing i didn't like um the script uh it, it, it feels look i to to clarify i love this show i love all of the characters in this show i love mandalore i love all of that i love all star wars star wars is like pizza all star wars is good all pizza is good it's just that some pizza is a totino's party pizza with like the cube pepperoni on it you know we're not quite at that level here i'd say i'd call this a solid like rising crust red baron like definitely it came out of the freezer aisle though uh the script feels like fan fiction like what like john favreau and dave filoni writing fan fiction about themselves <laughs> in the entire time we have covered the show i have and especially this season because i'm pretty sure we've griped about the writing every single episode <laughs> i don't think anyone has summed it up as succinctly as that yeah that's, a, that's a, that was pretty good <laughs> well i just i was thinking about it like why does this feel fan fictiony why does this feel like and it's because it's low stakes i don't at any point in this episode think anybody's in danger i mean maybe right. axe woes for a second but he's he's fine um and it's maybe it's because i've been conditioned by star wars to expect that all good things come with a heaping helping of bad and like if you feel good for now everything's going to go to shit in a second but we never got that follow-up so it didn't feel like a star war it felt like a fan fiction of a star war like the kind that's got tags like fluff cuddle shit like that you know yeah. the bad guy gets murdered really hard which does he is though bluff to me nobody does he does nobody he? That is he's true. just engulfed in flames that doesn't mean shit in star wars it the galaxy far far away doesn't. it doesn't mean shit and he's wearing beskar anyway it's a whole thing the so question, that's what I, I like the question like. is gonna be how effective is the giant flamethrower <laughs> <laughs> because if it turns out to not be effective i will be smug about this for the rest of my natural born life by giant flamethrower do you mean the massive fireball of a capital ship crashing into a, <laughs> yes. a, a base Correct. it's an okay. impromptu flamethrower is everything that's fire just a flamethrower to you now this is uh, a vendetta if, if against fire it, if i could turn it into something smug yes i encourage yes, this is. carry on carry on uh one thing i really liked about the episode i liked how conclusive it felt to the arc of the season mm. the last two seasons we had an ending that was very much okay we solved the thing but we've left some giant dangling cliffhanger thing that we need to resolve in ideally the next season uh sometimes in a completely different show taking episodes <laughs> away from that show but whatever um and this time it really felt like i I know there's a season four coming because it's already written. Uh, mm -hmm. I've said my opinion about what I think's going on with that. But even if there wasn't, even if they said the story of the Mandalorian specifically is over, I would feel satisfied.
satisfied-ish with this. We would have some loose right. threads. You know, what the fuck is up with Kane? But the general overall thrust of this season, they started the season with them talking about retaking Mandalore, and then at the end of it, they retake Mandalore. And it's just, it's ended... And it doesn't feel like I'm I'm being led by the nose into watching the next season, which is very nice. A nice little serial story. One thing I didn't like, I have a few specific points in my notes, and this is going to sound like a very, very familiar criticism because it's kind of a familiar criticism overall of the season. There's a specific thing with Moff Gideon, basically everything with Moff Gideon, I feel like fell short, did not hit nearly as hard as it needed to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's for two major reasons. We'll get to one of them when we get to a specific scene. But the other one is, again, that motherfucker's just not in this season. Right. They don't know how to write this guy in a way that's not, oh, he's in the background puppeting everything. And I'm like, okay, so when he does his anguished declaration that Giancarlo Esposito does in his fantastically hammy delivery, I'm like... <laughs> I mean, this is fun to watch. I don't feel anything for this guy because I don't know shit about him. But so everything with it, he felt he felt just like a final punch boss guy. And that really didn't feel like the character they'd been setting up for three seasons. So I didn't really like mm -hmm. that. Bradley, what about you? One thing you liked, one thing you did not. I have to agree with you on my did not like. I just feel like... You have done this every week. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I think we're this just so This is why you're letting me season. go first. Because you know, I just say the thing and then you're like, yep. Yeah, because I don't right. need to super reiterate everything you said. I mean, but literally, yeah, it's just Moff Gideon for me. It's just like, oh. You had so much time. You could have just done something with him. And they just like, he's just there. He just appears and disappears. I mean, even in this episode, he's like watching them on the screen and he's like, oh, I'm going to go get them. And then he disappears for like a solid 10 minutes and uh -huh. he's just like in the same room. And it's like, why didn't, where, where did you go? <laughs> like, he went, you he went in and the hid. <laughs> like, yeah, you just, you're like, all right, I got to go wait for the door to open and then I'm exactly. going to kill them. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, do, it was, do you not know wait. this is, this is how bad guys work in star wars <laughs> right like if you know the person is coming you can't just it's like palpatine in rise of skywalker you know the people are coming you have to set up your giant chorus right. your <laughs> audience in the silly. auditorium because i'm going you. to have a choir singing about how evil i am <laughs> you can't maybe send all of those people to detain the people coming to kill you <laughs> right no. i was like i was like hmm the praetorian guards are literally there like just chilling for no reason so like maybe they go after him for you like oh, yeah. it's just kind of like why they're not chilling for no reason on? they're hiding in between things in the smoke waiting <laughs> right. for their grand entrance so they can, can, right. can go menace a baby <laughs> waiting uh, like... for the corals to start that's <laughs> exactly. what that's when you know you when you're a bad guy in star wars you cannot enter until the chorus is started <laughs> That's how this works. It's like Darth like... Maul. <laughs> I feel like this is a good time to reiterate. I do like The Mandalorian. Right. I did like right, this right. season and I did enjoy this episode. However, right. <laughs> there are other opinions. No, of course. And I, okay, and I will say the one thing I did like, so just mm -hmm. so people know I'm not super ragging on this show. Um, I really, really like the solid, I think it's like two and a half minutes of just jetpack fight that we mm -hmm. have in this episode is so good. Everything about it, like the armor and like bow and then Casca, like all of that was like, oh, chef's kiss battle. Like I there's loved a, that whole scene. There's a particular thing I want to point out about that scene, but I want to point it out when we get there. 
Okay. It's also well, we'll save it. I just want to say that I really liked it. Theme of this episode. Okay. All right, Bradley, you want to take us into uh, words and sentences, the things that you say on the podcast? What that makes the okay, listen. honey, drink your juice, Shelby. Go. <laughs> I'll just, I'll yeah. just drink my water. Let's start the finale with we begin with Bo-Katan <laughs> leading the Mandalorians to safety. She contacts Axe Woves to have him warn the fleet about Moff Gideon, and Din is being escorted by his captors when he fights back. Just when he's about to go down, Grogu appears in the mecha suit and saves him. They agree it's time to take out Gideon once and for all. Title card, chapter 24, The Return. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Uh, go go right ahead with the at question. What point, at what point, when... <laughs> Did Mandalorian armor become rated for space travel? When did that happen? How did you anticipate my literal first note? <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, bless him. He's going to fucking die to deliver this message to just get into the upper atmosphere right. where there is no oxygen and it is very cold. Uh, just so he can get the message out to the Mandalorian fleet. Now that's not, he's actually just going to fly all the way up all the to way. the... And I had to remind myself as I was like, what the fuck? There's like, you can see the skin on his neck. There's no seal. He's going to die. They've said it will vacuum seal, but the production team didn't think to include that part. Uh, I had to remind myself that just because it's never happened before doesn't mean it can't happen. Right. New feature. Sure. Fast and Furious Star Wars. Mandalorian suits are rated for for way upper atmosphere, low orbit. Of course, travel. it's a spacesuit. Sure, it is now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know that stormtrooper armor can seal for space. This is going to come mm, up. In not stormtrooper armor. Not stormtrooper armor. Clone not stormtrooper trooper armor. armor. As far as I know, right now, unless that changes over rebels, uh, I think that may come up in rebels. I think that that was a rebels recon question at one point. Oh, okay. The stormtroopers were out in space and. It's like, can they survive? And Pablo Hidalgo, the best person on the internet, uh, <laughs> pointed, and this is when I gained my respect for Pablo Hidalgo was this moment. He pointed to the scene in A New Hope where the Falcon is coasting in to the hangar bay. Mm-hmm. And you can see a pair of stormtroopers standing outside with what looks like oxygen tanks on their backs. And I'm like, okay. how the fuck did you notice that, Pablo Hidalgo? Because I I've seen that movie about 20 times and I didn't notice that. But 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 most stormtroopers don't actually have an oxygen tank. No, on they there. don't. And so Axwell definitely quickly. did not have an oxygen tank. Yes, returning to Axwell's, I have no fucking idea how he did that. That motherfucker just flies into low orbit. <laughs> Sure. Right. And we talked about this in uh I can't remember which episode it was. Uh, I think it was the we were watching the episode of The Foundling, and I talked about how when they were chasing after, like, the dragon thing, they, mm-hmm. like, ran out of fuel after, like, an hour, yes. hour the fuck long they were fighting, fighting flying mm-hmm. after this thing. I'm like, okay, so does either Axe Woves is just has an unlimited amount of tank fuel to get all the way up to upper atmosphere, or, like, they are just playing fast and loose with the rules of how much the jetpacks work. Wait, wait, you mean something that was a major, like, plot-impacting <laughs> device? 
multiple episodes ago and might have been like a seed planted for something that would be a wrinkle in a future part of the plot didn't get followed up on and suddenly everybody has unlimited jetpack fuel in this episode is that where we're going with this yeah because it's just a little strange uh i I just thought it was weird like one he can get up the upper atmosphere with this jetpack and then also this whole entire jetpack battle is going on for god knows how long so So do people just not lose the fuel like oh well battle's over we all lost our fuel like we can't keep going like, I don't understand how that works. Here's what I want to know. How long were you holding on to that one? Because <laughs> I remember you mentioning this in our foundling cover. And you, I, were, you were like, did. put a pin in that. Put a pin in it. Because, like, here you go. I guess we're we're pulling the pin out of the grenade. Yeah, okay. we have to do that a couple times this episode. We do. We have, we have several things that are going to come up again. Now, I can, in the same breath that I say, oh, I guess everybody's got unlimited fucking jetpack fuel in this episode, I can also say that it's fucking cool that nobody had to stop and fucking refuel their jetpack in the middle of the fight. What's what's that thing that y'all always say on, on Dark Side Divas and Marvelous Divas? Fast and Furious Star Fast Wars? Fast and Furious Star Wars. You, you just gotta roll with it. It's, it's whatever the plot needs right now. And the plot right. needed jetpacks to run out of fuel, and the Foundling did not need anybody to run out of fuel in this episode. Right. Thanks, plot. Right, I love it. We love you, plot. It's a helpful plot. Back, jumping back onto the surface, uh, Bo-Katan is directing everyone around. I just want to point out, there's going to be a running theme to my notes about this episode, which is women. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> because it's just nice to see a lady military commander being treated fully with respect by the plot and by the people under her command in the context of the narrative. Yeah, I just... Oh, the competency boner for her is just like, oh, like she's she's dungeon crawling and clearing corners and handling her weapons, etc. While also actively planning military strategy and conferring with Axe Woes and everything. It's just fucking, I love her. I bring this up and then later on when Den is like radioing in, it's just immediate, like she is in command. Here's what we're doing. Okay, we'll go mm-hmm. from there. Like some dudes on Facebook, because it was dudes. It's always dudes. It dudes. It's always dudes. I remember we're talking about how, oh, she's not a very competent. Sometimes I go into the comment sections on, on <laughs> just because you need I to raise your to, blood pressure. Because okay. I need to raise my blood pressure. And people are like, oh, she's, you know, not a competent military commander. She just done this and this and this and this. And I'm like, did we watch the same episode? Mm-hmm. Like, did, she clearly knows what she's doing, guys. Another thing that I want to point out is that um, with regards to our discussion last week, Bradley, on whether or not those are Beskar troopers, I did notice that the lasers do seem to bounce off of the armor that I the troopers are wearing. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I noticed that in this episode, and I was like, hmm, they don't seem very effective to... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost them. like they're made of something reflecting It's Beskar alloy. I mean, later on, Moff Gideon says it's Beskar alloy. So it's got a high Beskar component, but it's not pure Beskar. Now, the debate was actually on whether or not the stormtroopers have it. Right. We know Gideon does, Mm -hmm. but this sort of does answer the question that, yes, also the stormtroopers, which I guess kind of explains back in episode five why there was a shard of Beskar ally. Doesn't explain Mm -hmm. how Beskar breaks enough to leave a shard. But... (laughs) Just let, let, let the plot happen. Let the plot happen. I'm just, I'm just going to close my eyes and pretend I can't see. 
just like Din Djarin's helmet that he apparently can't what? see shit out of. Anytime we go to Inside the Helmet View, it's like, oh, he can't see shit. <laughs> he has no visibility on anything. Yeah. I didn't I didn't understand why we saw that view because one, I've always <laughs> thought that like when they look out of that view, it's almost like looking through like uh, a pair of like smart goggles or something. Like, there's yeah, there's like, like a HUD. There's a HUD. The there's I also yeah. always assumed there was a HUD or something in there. Like so did when they we like turn off his helmet or something? Like it's like, oh, no, no his helmet's just shit. like that. I know, it's so stupid. I don't get it. It was a dumb <laughs> shot. I disagree with the shot. John Favreau. I do agree. I, I'm not a very good, I'm not in, I'm not a film editor, uh, but yeah, that was a weird shot. I also I, I have made zero movies or TV shows. Cut right. that shot. But, <laughs> but you no have taken, editor. you have taken one film editing class. That's and true. I know this because we sat next to each other or very close to each other in that class. So we're basically experts on film editing. Absolutely. So, uh, yes. You know. uh, well, Bradley is. <laughs> I didn't finish the class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's true. Um, that was the yeah. quarter I dropped out for good. Nice. Well, then there you go. So because I have a degree now and I took one class I, of film. Hey, editing, I also I, have I a degree, say... just not that degree. Right. Um, I have I a degree in theater. Though, Does that count? I have a degree in Always. screenwriting. That counts less. <laughs> No, but I did want to point out, um, there's this shot where Bo is going down the hallway and she mm -hmm. likes looking with her guns, you know, and she's checking the sides and everything. And I'm like 90, 90, 90, 90, 99% sure they just reuse a shot and flip mm -hmm. it. Yeah, almost certainly. Like it's almost, a, it, it's identical. It's Otherwise, definitely the same set over and over, like they did on Farscape, where they had like one hallway and they yeah, recorded yeah. people running down the same hallway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm like, how long is this hallway? Like a foot? Yeah. <laughs> so, so flipping the shot and then reusing the same shot, otherwise known as the Marshall Lewis special, uh, Marshall Lewis motherfucker, Marshall Lucas special. <laughs> Gotcha. So there you see, go. it's all I it's all just word. traditional Star Wars there. It's uh, all Star Wars. Okay. I'm going to allow that because it's a reference to the best editor in the history of the franchise. Gotcha. So but getting back to the armor real quick, um, yes. because I, I observe these things very closely. I can't help but notice that Din Djarin has no groin protection on his armor, uh, which thank you for that. Um, <laughs> It means but, the armor can stay on. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the troopers do. And uh, so I'd never understood, because like this, the why do you have Beskar on if you don't have Beskar on over some of your tenderest bits, such as your groin or, you know, the very large blood vessels in that proximity. Right. In the, like it's, it's a, it seems to me to be a glaring omission uh, yeah, in the armor. Him, you know, right there. Yeah, because right, there are good. arteries just right there. <laughs> You will die in them. a minute. Let me see if I can find a good because he has like thigh plates. I know, but they're uh, but they're on his quads. But they're they're on protecting his, quads. his muscle, not his blood vessels. It's fucking weird. Look, oh, I'm, I'm never... literally looking at my black series figure. No, you're right. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a cod piece, which is interesting. And it's like even which... regular like aren't the Mandalorians even based on like knights of some kind? So like mm -hmm. when they have some kind of piece down there anyway. Uh, and they did. Like, clone trooper armor is based on Mandalorian armor. Right. They've all got cod pieces, much to my frustration. And so... <laughs> Uh, and, and Mandalorians, like early seasons, Mando had like part of his his chest piece at least extended down a bit and, right. and covered that. But no, he's just he's just flapping free in the breeze. He seems it just I'm concerned for him. Uh, yeah, this is this is a question I have no answer to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to explain that. But other than just, yeah, that's a thing. It's just brown pants, man. <laughs> it's just, it's just brown, brown pants. pants. That's, yeah, that is a crippling error in design. And it it's absolutely just so he could can be. use the refresher easier, you know. Like there you go. Just... 
It is also possible, yeah, that he just never takes it off, so it's just in there so you know, for easy access to right. the refresher Which, again, know, something else. I appreciate. However, in combat situations, I feel like this is a bad thing. Better um, theory. Better mm -hmm. theory. He has a, like, a Beskar jockstrap under there. So, like, <laughs> it's just a giant piece in the front. Somebody goes to hidden. knee him in the crotch and they break right. their kneecap off. Exactly. Perfect. That's, I'm here that's for my, it. That's my headcanon. He I'm has here for a jockstrap it. made of Beskar. Headcanon accepted. There you, you, go. you just want to see any of the three men that could be occupying the suit in a jockstrap. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, now that means, though, <laughs> that, <laughs> that at, at some point the armorer had to fit him for his Beskar jockstrap. Oh, of course. Yeah. And so that means she's got those measurements on file somewhere. I'm it just does, saying. She sure does. In, uh, <laughs> I can't even segue into the next bit. I'm just going to go straight into I'm just going to plow right ahead. Like, like I would like, like to you, do to the Like a Beskar jockstrap. Hey, <laughs> Normally, I wouldn't phrase it this way, but in honor of Stephanie being here, <laughs> I would like to add a new counter to the show. <laughs> okay. The flamethrower didn't do shit counter. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really didn't do shit. I took careful note. Oh, no, it made things worse. Okay, so the, the trooper, like, blasts him with the flamethrower when he's up against the wall. Mm -hmm. The other trooper, like, tries to shoot him and misses because he's recoiling from the flamethrower that the first trooper was shooting at him. So actually, the wrist-mounted flamethrower was not only useless, it was actively detrimental to their efforts. In that moment, I chalk that up to the troopers not really knowing what to do with it. I, I will give you this that. This is true, yeah. Mm -hmm. They probably haven't had a lot of time to combat train in these new outfits. You and know, honestly, yeah. flamethrowers are, flame are fucking cool. And they, he was just like, yeah, somebody use the flamethrower. Fuck you, Billy, shoot him later. <laughs> Right, no well, then it turns around and bites Billy. them in the ass again because Billy doesn't know how to turn his goddamn flamethrower off and so then gets his hand and shoots the other trooper uh -huh. with it. And like, it does kind of do something because it makes him recoil, but as we've established in the last episode, it doesn't cause any damage whatsoever. It just makes him stop for two seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is the presence of the flamethrower. I'm going to call that two dings on the flamethrower does fucking nothing counter. I really think it's not it's not the flamethrowers fault they are misapplying them the flamethrowers were designed to be used against jedi because lightsaber this motherfucker but now they're just like i got this fucking flamethrower there's no jedi so um i guess burn you that didn't do anything like so I, so hold on so what you're saying is that flamethrower uselessness and stormtrooper uselessness can combine into ultra uselessness <laughs> <laughs> yes like because Absolutely. because these stormtroopers are not the last imperials we're gonna see use a flamethrower in this episode yeah, yeah we're gonna we're gonna come back uh so real quick with no segue at all um so the way Din and Grogu interact at, at the end of this when Grogu fucking saves his ass, um, because Din doesn't have like a thing to protect his neck at all. Like that's just, there's no Achilles heel on Mandalorian armor. It's an Achilles throat. You just, it's just right there. It's the throat. Anyway, fucking. Um, he talks to Grogu like Grogu's a baby, but he talks to him about grown up shit. Cause he's like, hey buddy, I'm gonna need you to be real brave for me, okay? Let's, Let's go, go kill a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and Grogu's like, uh-huh. 
<laughs> he's like, like yes yes their, their yes, relationship is yes. so weird <laughs> i mean he okay. is like 50 years old so i guess it's not that I know. weird i mean you know but and and well, and bloodthirsty apex predator type 50 year old infant right. Absolutely. Well, okay. Let me let me ask you because of the three people presently in the Zoom call, you are the one with children. It is true. If you were in a situation like this, how would you talk to a child that you know can at least comprehend what you're saying? Like we know Grogu can at least comprehend what's going on around him. Would this be the best way to do it where you're like, hey, real talk, we need to deal with this right now? I would send that baby somewhere else. I'd be like, take your little mech suit and go wait in the car. Right. Mommy's got to go murder somebody real quick. <laughs> I need you to put your noise-canceling headphones on in place of Angry Birds and pretend this isn't happening. Okay? Uh, okay. But Mandalorians aren't like that. No. All Mandalorians are deadly at every age. And so that's their culture. I am not a Mandalorian. so. And we will see later in the episode that Grogu does contribute to some people getting violently killed. Yeah, that's what he does. And that's why I was at no point in this episode worried for Grogu at all, because that's a really big gun in this whole fight. Do you know yeah. what uh, had me not worried about Grogu at all in this episode? So if we just go to starwars.com slash shop, uh, we will see the reason why they're probably not going to do anything to Grogu. Yeah, that was my thought process. I mean, not to jump ahead, but like when he's by himself at one point and he's in trouble, I was just like, there are no stakes here. No, he's we fine. We know Grogu is fine. He's a, just here to humiliate he them. Will, right. He will either A, just, you know, destroy them himself or B, some do ex machina whatever will happen and then he will literally be fine because yeah. that's how grogu works you can not a kill grogu and you b you can't hurt grogu it's right. not gonna happen ever he can tucker himself out that's about <laughs> as close as he gets some people have theorized i don't know how much i believe it but there is a theory going around uh that the mandalorian can't do things like that because it's under much more strict oversight from the executives in terms of what it can and cannot do mm. versus something like Andor, which is a words bait and can do whatever it wants. And I'm, I can kind of see that a little bit with the writing of Grogu, but I also feel like even the creatives love Grogu so much, they're not yeah. going to do anything to him. No, Grogu's fine. And I like knowing that Grogu's fine. Like I, I see him get, you know, separated off and do another. He's fine. He's fine. Can we focus on somebody else? We'll get back to him being cute and deadly in a minute. Rogue but anyway, One that's later in the episode. Rogue One and Return of the Jedi are both good movies. I watch them for different reasons. My <laughs> final <laughs> little detail about the scene before we move on to the next one uh, is I do note that Grogu's first reaction is to spray Din with the same spray <laughs> that is still in IG-12's hand uh -huh. from back in season one. So it doesn't do anything if you just spray his armor. <laughs> no, I I'm pretty sure it needs to come in contact with your flesh a little bit. But Points for trying. He was, he's, well, he's a baby. <laughs> It's just He's a little a little murder baby. He doesn't know. Oh my god. You and know, his seven foot tall mech suit. You know who needs to be in the same room? Grogu and Chopper. <gasps> we know yes. this can happen because Chopper's going to be in Ahsoka. So I'm just saying, we get mm -hmm. those two in a room together. First Order's done. We've solved yeah, that's that it. problem that's immediately. It. Which is why they can never meet. Because they will be such a beautiful team of chaos and destruction. No, they can never meet. It's like, it's like Anakin and, uh, and Grievous 
all through Clone Wars. They'll just be two ships passing. They'll never actually see each other. Is Grievous, no, Grievous is not unconscious during the, the episode where they have the prisoner exchange. Anakin is. Right. But I don't think, is Grievous is not. So Grievous has seen Anakin, but Anakin hasn't seen Grievous. Correct. I don't know. I'm thinking too much about Clone Wars again. See, now I'm thinking, oh, maybe I want to rewatch some episodes of Clone Wars when I finish the show I'm currently watching, which is Game of Thrones, and I'm in the last season, and it's very bad. You can so. stop anytime. <laughs> There's nobody with a gun to your head making you watch fucking Game of Thrones. <sighs> I, I, I'm, I'm a, if I wasn't so close to the ending, there's an audio drama that some people did where they rewrote the last season and I was refreshing myself. Mm. So I'm curious. I will probably never watch the show again if we're being entirely honest. So when ourselves. you get paper cuts, do you immediately go start slicing lemons? Is that, is this just like yes. how you Sometimes you I live? plunge my hand directly into vats of lemon juice. Mm -hmm. Like I go and find freshly squeezed lemon juice and just jam my whole hand down. Yeah, in there. yeah. And then salt straight in your eyes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have to put your whole head down in, like, down in the salt. I'm just saying, you don't have to keep watching that fucking show. That character assassination, that misogyny splooge fest of a final season. Fuck that Ooh, show. It's so bad. It's so uh, bad. Anyway. If this audio <laughs> drama turns out to be good, I may just tell people, never watch the final season. Just watch no, this. It didn't happen. But we'll see. It Unaccepted. Up next, didn't contact Bogotan he has found Grogu and plans to take on Gideon. Then, Gideon's TIE interceptors and bombers depart the base to attack the fleet. Gideon watches Din's movements as he decides to take the Mandalorian on himself. Elsewhere in the base, Din contacts R5-D4 and has him infiltrate the base and find the location of Gideon's command center, transmitting the coordinates to Din. Meanwhile, Axe Woves contacts the fleet and evacuates the troops to use the capital ship as a decoy. He takes the helm and they complete the evacuation just as the TIE fighters launch their attack. Can we take just a brief moment to appreciate when Gideon puts his helmet on, he has the resonating evil Star Wars voice. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Giancarlo, Giancarlo Esposito's voice was made for the helmet filter. It really was. I love uh, the filter on it. It's so good. It's so good. Vader could never. It's the so fact, good. The fact it's only in this one episode is a crime. It's a An fucking actual. crime. It is a crime. Oh, I hate it. It's it's such a wonderful oh he's such a good villain I kind of hope he isn't dead he's not dead I, I kind of hope he is he was just engulfed in flames he's not dead <laughs> yeah yeah you know, know how I feel about Phasma so uh that not is dead. true not that dead, dead. Not if dead. Phasma can still come back right and Gideon can always come back of course yep. So speaking of Gideon, when he's watching the screen and he's tracking Mando and Grogu, I did a legit spit take, even on the rewatch, because I forgot about it. Mando's a big red dot. Grogu's a little green dot. Of course, <laughs> because that screen. just, he, I feel like he had to go in there and change the settings. For that you know happen. he did. He was like, there's a he slider for this all the right. way to the left. All he the way. manually coordinated like, okay, I know these two assholes are going to show up at some point. He seems genuinely surprised to see both. Katan, he seems genuinely not to care about any of the other Mandalorians, but he has special little dots. These two motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and Grogu's is little and green. <laughs> Teeny tiny dot. Fucking hilarious. Um, 
So when he puts his helmet on and he gives us the, the voice of evil heaven um, that I love so much, do we think that Moff Gideon understands the cultural implications of the little horns on his helmet? No. Nope. Or does he just think they look cool? He just thinks they look cool because he's an appropriating piece of shit asshole who just does the things that he thinks are nifty and neat and look cool and doesn't give a damn about the history or culture that he's appropriating. Appropriating! That was the word I was looking for last episode. He's an appropriating <laughs> piece of shit. Because I really think if he thought about it for two seconds, like the armor, who I'm not sure he's laid eyes on or not, has them because it's a whole Maldalorian thing. Like there's a whole schism in the Mandalorian culture that happened that was denoted by these horns. And like, he's just like, fucking horns look badass. <laughs> Like, for exactly what he I fully for. believe that is why he did that. Just because he's an asshole. He is an asshole. And I really want him to survive because I want him to show up in Ahsoka and I want him and Thrawn to meet. Oh, no. Because as we know Thrawn from Rebels, he understands all the deep nuance and, and implications and everything of all the cultures that he destroys and subjugates. Like he, he gets it. He knows everything about all of your little details. He crushes you under his boot anyway. Um, yeah, he's still a fascist. Yeah. But he's and a fascist with like the ability to read a book. taste. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, you know, he craves knowledge and Gideon just craves cool and power and being cool power. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I still I love Gideon, though. I, I, I also love Gideon. I would like to read my next note verbatim. Oh, my. As I watch Steph's face. <laughs> R5 to the rescue. Shame he's just an appliance with no personality. <laughs> and doesn't get scared of so Bradley, if, if you don't know the context of this, listeners, if you don't know the context of this, I had some motherfucker on my TikTok comment on a video from back when we were covering Solo. So this is like months ago at this point uh, about how they filmed L337 on the set of Solo A Star Wars Story. That's what the video was about. And he jumps on there and he's like, droids don't get rights because they're just appliances. Like, literal, <laughs> appliances. <laughs> literal appliances was the exact wording that was used. They're literal appliances. Like, <laughs> you you look chopper in the eye and tell him he's an appliance. Right. Who the fuck are you? So I made a little video. I was like, here are all of these droids that I love so much. Of course, they're not fucking appliances. And R5D4 is one of them. I just didn't, I had 60 seconds for this fucking video, so I didn't get into it. Um, but yeah, no, R5D4, aside from just the personality that he's showing in this episode, where he is legitimately nervous, he is emoting with nobody around to see it. So he's just literally just talking to himself. Uh, he's also been around since for fucking ever. <laughs> yeah, he's been around since the 70s. He's so old. Like, he's been around he's since old. 1977. He, right. Yeah, because he's in A New Hope. But right. also in the Star Wars timeline, he's been around since the prequel era. You can see him bebopping around in the background when Anakin goes back to Tatooine to rescue his mom and ends up just murdering a bunch of uh, Tuscans instead. <clears throat> I did not know that. That definitely leads credence to the theory that the Rebellion stuff was after. Or after after the prequels? Yes, it certainly was. Well, after... Because uh, you have to... The Empire has to rise first and then there's a rebellion there there was some question on when his service to the rebellion actually was but anyway please continue he i think his service to the rebellion uh really was at its most uh <laughs> It's most altruistic. Uh, when he got together with a bunch of other droids and recorded a Christmas album. Oh, for God. 
called Christmas in the Stars. Uh, R5-D4 is in that. He is name-checked. Uh, I believe at one point he gets hugged by a Wookiee who is invisible at the time. Uh, and that's all in the album. Uh, <laughs> They're contemplating what do you get for a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb? These are the big questions that they ask on Christmas in the Stars. Um, I do not recommend Christmas in the Stars unless you were like grew up with it and have nostalgia for it, uh, which is what my husband did, which is why I even know about this album. He grew up with it. And so now we as a family listen to Christmas in the Stars every Christmas. And it's also where John Bon Jovi had his first musical debut. So there you go. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, John okay. Bon Jovi. Being, uh has a song on the Christmas in the Stars album. See, According- I, I uh-huh. was not going to go look for this uh, <laughs> because I did make the mistake of joining the Divas Watch Along for the holiday special. Mm-hmm. This is a different thing. It's not and even associated with the thing. holiday special. So no, now this, they're talking about Christmas. Holiday. Christmas, Christmas. Right, they're not talking about Life Day. It's not Life Day, it's Christmas. And of course it's actually Anthony Daniels on there because there's a paycheck involved, so of course he's there. That's his job. (laughs) That's all he does. Man got a job in 1977 and has had that same job to this day. I mean, we should all be so lucky, right? Right. Um, But yeah, no, this is R5-D4, he's a fucking legend. He's one of those quiet background legends and he's not a literal appliance. He's a person. He's a person that's scared of height. And he is one of two droids in the entire galaxy that Din Djarin likes even a little. So I think that's prestigious as fuck. My final note on this sequence is, uh, so Axe jumps into the ship and is like, mm-hmm. hey, everybody get the fuck off this ship. Uh, I'm going to hold and maneuver this bitch at some point. It was but really slick now- how he did it too. Do you see him? Like he, uh, oh yeah. Forgiving like, the fact that he could breathe. He gets straight. there, just hits the ground running and goes. Later, we see other Mandalorians try to do the same maneuver and just fucking eat shit, trying to get onto drop ships and just fall over. So Axe was hot. But he's like, everyone get off this ship. And so my question was in the last episode we saw the armorer requesting uh-huh. permission to dot with a bunch of wounded people from uh-huh. the surface Fuck where did those people go i Fuck was em. just about to bring this up because <laughs> i was like only like eight people jump off this ship and i'm like all right so the rest of them are just chilling on the but no the rest like, of them are like a like... swarm of bees coming off and they all get into the but i don't yeah, know where the fuck the armor is the whole time from the light cruiser uh-huh. right to the uh the the gauntlet fighters uh-huh. and and the right. like stuff that's down you know what i'm just trying to say right but technicality wise let's all leave the giant bus like ship and mm-hmm. go to the tiny little corvette like ship that uh-huh. are super tiny can only fit like 10 people max and it's like but there's how many god willing of us like to be on this ship plus the people who have like broken legs for some reason and like i don't understand where they went i don't i don't know or they're what still happened. on the ship and he crashes it with the people who are in the sure. bay Fuck just chilling they're broken anyway <laughs> right fuck them fuck them that's that's what the uh the legends mandalorians probably would have done i have a line in my notes that apparently was written while they were all flying out of the capital ship and going to the drop ships it says does their hotness give them extra oxygen is that yes. what it is that's what it is yes. all mandalorians are hot that gives them uh, an increased oxygen <clears throat> or something, all, something. I, I i have just chosen to accept this as canonical fact now i'm sure some ship nerd out there was screaming internally when brad it was like, oh, they only fit like 10 people. I'm not a ship nerd and I don't care. Uh, but I do see you and hear you, random ship nerd that's now screaming. Shit nerd. <laughs> <laughs> ship nerd. <laughs> 
No, I'm a shit nerd. Uh, weekly, when I annoy Chris uh, by providing all sorts of corrections to him and fun facts and trivia about the Dark Side Divas episodes. Now, if you want to listen to, or if you want to oh my god, are you about to plug my own Patreon on your show? I, I am. You can go to okay. Patreon.com/slash/DivasPodcast and join the Divas Discord, where you can watch me annoy Chris weekly, and that's how you do a, a Patreon plug for a show that's not even yours <laughs> thank you for demonstrating that charles i've just i've gotten really good at plugging that specific patreon because it triggers chris's imposter syndrome when i do it and fuck him he's off in paris right now being gay at disney fuck him he, he can get triggered all day Everyone's mad at him. Everyone's <laughs> mad at him for this. He gets to go to Paris. He gets to go to Disney. He gets to get wine drunk in Paris. He gets to not be in the United States. Right? I love He's got that all these rights him. and shit. <laughs> right? He could probably, if, if something were to happen to him, he would get injured. He could go to a hospital, probably. Like, for like a dollar. Yeah. For like a dollar? I, but I it, think it's that's how that works, right? to me. <laughs> I assume so. I, assume, I just assume I know everything about European culture and that is that everything is free, uh, especially healthcare. Especially so I'm just healthcare. like, oh yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, you break your leg, it's like 50 bucks. Like, who cares? Like, whatever. Like, no Yeah, just deal. go get it done. Yeah. Right. It's a one stop shop. That's why you travel <clears throat> and you're fine. Which is probably where they took the wounded from the light cruiser. Hey. They there took they them go. to Europe to get the nice free segue health. back in. There we go. And that's <clears throat> how you do a segue back in. I was briefly concerned for Axwoves, but only briefly. He's too pretty to die. Yeah. That's all that is. I mean, and he's also like a character who speaks so most of the time I feel like they're <laughs> fine you know what I mean like, all those non-speaking broken mandos yeah, yeah, yeah. Just those apparently just got die, booted out like, of an whatever. airlock yeah, yeah, yeah you know you know who I haven't seen again Twink Mandalorian hmm. we don't which see one's him it? the one who you think is Corky what who we think is Corky a really well aged Corky even though it's Corky not Corky like it's not Corky we're never getting Corky Kreeze it's never happening sorry well in order for, to get Corky Kreeze they would probably have to acknowledge Satine Kreeze exists exactly that. They will not do that. The closest we're going to get is that Lizzo's character is called the Duchess. And, and maybe kind of sort of has a color scheme that invokes. And I love her. I'm I just saying, that. I'm just saying Mando season four, if Nicole Kidman just randomly appears on screen, all of a sudden I'm going to be like, now, now, now. <laughs> I will die on the hill that Nicole Kidman is the perfect casting for Satine Kreese. I will die on this hill. Because she played Satine in Moulin Rouge. You go ahead and die on that hill, honey. Have I you seen Nicole Kidman lately? There's been years and medical procedures since Moulin Rouge. That's not her face anymore. Now, I love her and everybody's allowed to age in their own special way. But Kate Blanchett's right there. Which one looks more like Katie Sackhoff, better question. Because they have to be related. So it's Kate Blanchett. I'm just going to say, it's Kate there Blanchett. you go. <laughs> it's Kate Blanchett. I, the character I, model for her in Clone Wars was based on Kate, Kate Blanchett. I will accept Ooh. Kate Blanchett without complaint. But I, I still, I personally would like Nicole Kidman. That's just me. I think that they should fight for it. <laughs> <laughs> we should get to sell tickets. Literally fight, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. In which case, my money's still on Kate Blanchett. She mean. Anyway, 
Back at the base, Din and Grogu reach the command center and have R5 deactivate the barrier shields one by one as Din takes on the armored commandos. After he defeats them all, Din makes his way into Gideon's laboratory, which is full of tanks containing clones of Gideon. <laughs> Din tampers with the control, ca- causing the tanks to explode. Meanwhile, the survivor captain leads Kreese and the Mandos into a lush surface cave full of plants. The captain explains that his people planted these farms. The armorer contacts Bo via convalescence know that reinforcements have arrived and the group heads off to take the planet back. Together the Mandalorians fly to the chasm above the Imperial base and the battle the armored commando. So my only <laughs> note about the the uh, the hallway scene uh, is this shit slaps. <laughs> it's a really good sequence. It's a really it good really sequence. I really, really like it. Um, I love that Din goes in there unarmed and he's like, I'll, I I will use your knife when you're done with it. Uh, and right. and he's just, get, he's like a D&D player. He's gathering loot as he goes along. As he goes, yeah. He's like, oh, now I got a shield. Oh, now I got mm-hmm. an electro thing. And it's like, all right, we're My good. My favorite moment is in the fight with the first two, which by the way, why are your first two guys in the hallway only armed with knives all they had was it's, knives. A, it's a level thing you know because yeah. because when you're go. when you're a bbeg you have to put your like level one goons out front those guys were like goblins yeah. and then like level two goons a little further back and then maybe you go level five and then maybe you go level because you gotta eight. upgrade as he goes along as he goes yeah right. you okay, can't that's put fair. the nazgul out front right but, that's just bad licking <laughs> you gotta work you gotta soften them up all the way up there um but my favorite thing is in that first little exchange with the first two guys a they're on an elevated something something because the, they, the guy falls off. One of the troopers falls <laughs> off with a dagger, his own knife buried in his neck right then. And Din tries to grab it before the guy falls, <laughs> he and, he falls and he misses. And he's like, God great. damn it. He's so frustrated. Um, meanwhile, poor R5-D4 is being harassed by mouse droids. Who and, have sirens apparently. Yeah, well, we've never seen what happens other than mouse droids squeaking and running away when right. they find you. Apparently they set off alarms and bring other mouse droids. They get a yeah, whole a gang, pack a of, gang mouse of mouse droids. And that's it. All they do is make noise at you. Like, <laughs> R5-D4 also not in any danger. He was fine. Yeah, he was nope. kind of like more annoyed than he was like, yeah, because he like zaps the one and he's just like, all right, like, let's get ready. I, mean, I Actually, when he flies away, one of them falls off the edge. R5 has a body count now. Right. Um, <laughs> that body count down. is one mouse droid, but it's there. It's there. It's there. He's He can sit at the table with John for now he's got a body count god damn it oh, i really love that sequence though that was really good. i love it when they just let dinjarin fucking work because it's so good it's like can we just stop trying to do every other goddamn thing in this episode every time it happens when they did the prison break thing and it was just din in a hallway just whooping all the ass and stuff just every time i'm just like this is my happy place so much serotonin from this one metal man's violence i just oh i love him i i like how this scene this is like the perfect blend of everything that makes star wars good mm-hmm. because you've got some action you've got some character catharsis from r5 being able to do his thing and overcome his fears <laughs> you have the little comedy moments with the mouse droids but you still have an air of tension because yeah den messes up some of his moves he doesn't mm-hmm. do everything perfectly so like there's that underlying tension to where you know he's not gonna fuck up and fall into the pit right. but he might and that's always there it's like this beautiful this is this is like this is how you do a star wars action scene this mm-hmm. right here this is how you do it it's so good complete with the doors from uh from phantom complete menace complete yeah. with the doors yeah Doors love, that make no sense. But I love watching the, the troopers the in the next them, chamber. 
and the troopers in the next chamber are just watching their dudes get fucking slaughtered and they're like yeah they're um, just kind of like waiting they're um, just like all right open the door can't open the door okay cool right. okay it's awesome which is why it doesn't here. make sense to have them because what if like one of them's like oh you know what i really could use the restroom right now or i guess right. the refresher no. in this no it's like you know that's you why they have right cod pieces on their arm yeah you it's have to actually... your pants right there uh-huh. well we, and that's we why saw... the berries are there so you don't the beginning doesn't smell them as he goes by <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw in the, the last episode, I didn't point it out, but we saw that, like, they just stand there in the ray shields all day. Menacingly. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. their thing. They just stand there menacingly. Just in a 12-hour shift. We buy them. Yeah, just Spe- standing there. Speaking of Moff Gideon, um, let's shift gears for a minute. So, Din killing all of the clones, that's actually super fucked up, right? It's actual murder. Cause, yeah. Because we, we have established multiple times in Star Wars that with the exception of when you literally have a spirit body hopping inside of your clone and possessing it clones have free will there's absolutely nothing to say that these clones would act like moff gideon if they were given the chance not to i think we have to assume that moff gideon with his association with the empire uh having at his age he definitely grew up through the clone wars he was aware of that entire situation i think we have to assume that when he made his clones he made them biddable and obedient if they have any any personality at all like he he's not he's he wants them because we'll find out later when he has his big like fucking tear at his own clothes moment where he's just fucking shakespearean all about it that he wants you know his clones to have the ability to to use the force but he also needs to be in charge of them because he's moff gideon so if you make clones of yourself but your clones of yourself can use the force the only way you can be in charge of them is if you made them idiots too like yeah that's very true because why would you as the non-perfect specimen version of yourself that you've clearly made because he said they're the enhanced, they're better, whatever. So why are you now the leader of them, the weaker mm-hmm. or the not alpha, like, essentially? I, of I, I have, would overthrow you. Right. I have sort of a, a proposal for an answer to this, and that yeah. is Gideon is just that arrogant. He really genuinely thinks that he will be able to control this army of force-sensitive him clones, or at the very least that they will all work together and link hands and go skipping off into an imperial ascendant future. So, do you guys ever see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie with the secret of the ooze, where they make Toka and Razor, the two little guys? No? no. Where they make these big, powerful monsters, and Shredder's like, yes, these are my monsters and I will unleash them, but they're babies. Like, they literally call him Mama, and just like, <laughs> but they're massive and they're, they're right. monsters, but they're just like, meh, meh, and everything. Um, God, I'm, am I that much older than you two? Don't answer that. Anyway. If it uh, helps, if it helps, we both grew up in very sheltered households. Yeah. It is not surprising that we haven't seen a movie from pre-2000 that yeah, we that probably should have. Yeah, that movie's too liberal for us, so we can't do that. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> nice, nice. Good job. Makes me feel it's better. Far, um, it's far too... Um... I'm not recommending this movie at all, okay? <laughs> to be clear. But I just love the idea that maybe if those clones had done what I wanted them to do, which was bust out of there, and we have big, massive, wet, naked clones of Giancarlo Esposito fight, which is what I was hoping for. Um, if they had just been like, 
just drooling idiots. That would have been great. But yeah, no. I, I feel like it's interesting you, you talking about like things that you had hoped for. I do feel like the other, my other issue with this, this sequence, in addition to the fact that those are sentient beings that Din just murdered without a second thought, is that I feel like this culmination of Din destroying Gideon's master plan should maybe have had a bit more weight. But then I counterpointed myself by going, isn't it the most Din jarring thing to stumble upon the villain's master plan, break it, and then keep going without even realizing you just did it. Yeah, because he's not in a Star War. He doesn't know. He has no idea. But also, I, I like that you're like, he, he fucking, he murdered them. He's he's a bounty hunter. How many people has he killed in so the last three people. seasons? Okay? Din Djarin's a killer. They all are. Grogu's a killer. Everybody in this show is a killer, with the notable exception of the Duchess and Captain Bombardier. I, I, I accept I accept this logic uh, without any sort of rebuttal. <laughs> That's how I like it. Um, so can we can we talk about this cave garden that, that they go to? My, that was my next note, and I was going to segue into it because I sensed that after doing all of Clone Wars, you would have some thoughts on the fact that plants grow on Mandalore. You just have to leave them alone for five goddamn minutes. Um. So my notes say life uh finds a way. I guess perfection. <laughs> it's very much. Uh, no, it's it's really cool. It is really cool. Um, from a post Clone Wars getting into Rebels perspective from our from Dark Side Divas uh, to see that that things are growing on Mandalore like that's fucking cool and it was such a pretty set as well so I liked that um, and I, I see that the that was definitely there as a crumb for viewers like me um, to be like oh thank God okay the planet's not completely dead um, but also I don't feel like that scene needed to be in this episode uh, because it was supposed to be like a we're gonna go hole up somewhere in the super secret place on the surface we literally spend real time i checked one minute and 24 seconds in this cave it's yeah it's nothing like it's, it's just it kind of like here we are okay let's go fight now like 100 percent. john favreau and dave filoni probably dave filoni being like i need to throw this thing in here really fast because it is thematically resonant like so here's my issue with this right it's a beautifully thematically resonant scene the idea is that the jedi came in and bombed the planet to hell and i do believe it was the jedi that the first time. The first time. And then time. they bond themselves. And made it made it so that nothing could grow outside of the dome cities, allegedly. But the Mandalorians just keep bombing themselves and having these civil wars over and over again. And when they finally break this cycle, mm. when they finally work together and they're in a situation where they come together as a unified people, possibly for the first time in their history, their planet is finally able to heal mm. and grow beyond a beautifully resonant scene that means fucking nothing in the context of the show by itself and you needed to have watched all of Clone Wars and Rebels to get. Exactly. See, it's... <sighs> It's so, and I think that's why it's so fucking brief in this episode, because they're like, we really want to do this, but like, we got other shit we're doing in this episode. I feel like it would have been more resonant last episode. Right. Or maybe like when they found them and like they could have explained like, oh, how did you survive? This is how we survived. This is like, right here. This go. is these right. fucking massive farms and gardens plans. and right. <laughs> pretty things. Um, Or maybe, you know, Din and Grogu would have found it when he went down to go find the fucking water because there was in fact a bunch of fucking water down there. Right. And Bo-Katan in going in there to rescue him could have been like oh, a garden oh right. i am absorbing this and this is what moves me towards 
the positive association with the Mandalorians, Mandalorians coming together, because I have just seen what happens when we quit fucking fighting each other. Our, our own planet can heal, etc., etc. It felt very sort of slapped on to this episode. Or there's 18 fucking Return of the King endings to this shit. Anyway, slap it on the ending. <laughs> right? Have have Bo-Katan in the armor light the forge, and then the next scene is, is the captain showing Bo-Katan, hey, so stuff grows here, apparently, and Bo-Katan's like, cool. And that's even a resonant ending to her character art that not only did she light the forge, but now she's coming and she's seeing, oh, I am being rewarded for my faith because there's an overarching theme of faith in this mm-hmm. show. I am being rewarded for my faith in the Mandalorians with proof that the planet can be healed. It's it's frustrating yeah. because this is such a cool moment if you've invested a ton of time in Mandalorians and a fucking nothing burger if you haven't. Exactly. Because it's really it's really brief and just sort of like a huh? moment if you aren't us. I do have to do something that I really, as a man on the internet, I hate doing this. <laughs> but I feel it is my duty to do so. I would like to issue a personal apology to the armorer <laughs> for ever having doubted <laughs> Fuck that. I want Jon Favreau to apologize to the armor for setting her up because that's what I, I listened to y'all's last episode where you're like, why was this episode called The Spies? It was it was a bluff. It was a fake. It was. It was, it was to spin off a week's worth of fan theories and conversations in between episodes. That's all it was. If they released all these episodes at the same time in one big release, that episode would not have been called The Spies. Somebody, something else. somebody suggested as like, hey, you could name it after the spies from the Book of Numbers. And John Favreau mm-hmm. went, hmm, I could do that. And I could also get a week's worth of clickbait articles out of it. Yeah. Twitter yeah. engagement. Because you have the armorer who has always been a little bit odd and a little bit sketchy this whole fucking time. She fucking leaves the planet. She's like, I got the survivors. I'm out. Peace. She leaves. And that's the end of the episode of the spies. So... I had a theory. I was like, no, that's it. She's working with Thrawn. They're going to do that thing that they've been doing through all of these fucking Disney Plus shows where they tie in the next series they're going to do with this one. And so we're going to have like a little, a little like glimpse of Thrawn perhaps up in space or something. I suspected her so hard and I'm so mad at myself for being manipulated by John fucking Favreau. And the worst part is that we've now gone back and watched the entire season again, mm-hmm. having with the knowledge of this finale, the armorer goes through a character arc. She goes through this art of accepting that she's not always completely right about the way to be a Mm -hmm. Mandalorian and that she can work with other people and that there can be coexistence in the Mandalorians. She has to break that down internally and it's communicated almost entirely through Emily Swallow's performance. Yeah, she's almost entirely through that. She's excellent. If you watch it with the knowledge that she is going to ultimately help, it's so clear in hindsight. But she has horns on her helmet, and she mm-hmm. spent the last two seasons being a cult leader, and the episode is called The Spies. Yeah. Even if you didn't watch this last episode, like the finale that we're just watching now, if you watch The Spies, you see armor, and then when you see Gideon's helmet for the first time, you're like, mm-hmm. oh shit, they're working together. Like, right. this is like, they are together. Like, this is like, they're, they're either romantically together, because why not? Or they are literally like, the horns make them together. Like, it just does. The horns mean evil. Yes. 
obviously right. every time yeah that's been all the way since you know darth maul was first created and so yeah the again for for us for those of us who have watched all of clone wars and are go, have gone through rebels and all of these things uh we know what it means when you see a mandalorian with horns on their helmet and we know that that's not a good thing and so you know there's reason to be suspicious of her this whole time and just again i'm just i'm just mad that fucking favreau got me i'm just mad and did he get me or did he set up something he didn't bother trying to pay off in this finale episode and is it because like I'm a rube or is it because he's a lazy ass? I like well, I know which one of those I agree with. <laughs> Leave it at that. Um, but having her come back with the reinforcements was cool. That was nice. Sure. Which leads us directly into Bo-Katan leading them with the Darksaber in a jetpack fucking charge of the Rohirrim moment. That was I'm the just... Star Wars-iest shit, man. <laughs> fucking love it. I she love raises it. the Darksaber in front of her and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, this, this, <laughs> this. Leading I... the Mandalorians to retake their planet with the Darksaber held high. So oh. Oh. John, I accept your season-long apology for what you did to Bo-Katan in season two. <laughs> <laughs> I accept this season-long apology for that. It was a good thing. And I do love that when they go into the fight after this, like, because the armorer comes and flies down and is right next to her, and they're like, it's ladies, and they're leading the charge, and they're going in. Um, the armorer's got a hammer and tongs. <laughs> yeah, yep. she always does. And we'll come back to that in a couple of notes. I can love it. Okay. Anyway, I think that's my, all my, I got. I mean, my only note for that sequence is fuck yes. So yeah. I wasn't really? capable of being articulate. It's just, <laughs> yeah, this, you know what? This show has managed to do something I didn't think was possible. Something that is a miracle. Something that is the magic of Star Wars. Got you to shut the fuck up? No. Oh. I said a, I, I said a miracle, not the second coming of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no. It undid the damage that Karen Travis did and got me to give a shit about the Mandalorians. Who's Karen Travis? A person I do not like. I don't, I'm surprised you actually, are you, no, no, wait, my brain just clicked. Are you trying to get me to complain about Karen Travis? Just I don't know who Karen Travis is. I honestly don't know who you're talking oh, about. Is this okay. an author? I'm, yeah, and I'm kind of surprised because it actually is one of the quickest ways to summon me to your Discord is for someone to mention Karen Travis and I will pop in and be like, ugh, her. So Karen Travis, quickly, because we don't have quickly, a lot of time. Because he's already explained this once Quickly, quickly, on quickly. Show. Karen Travis was, an author who did Star Wars books and she did the Republic oh, Commando novelizations. I don't, I don't read Star Wars books. Sorry. Okay. She did the Republic <laughs> Commando novelizations. She created a lot of the pre-Clone Wars Mandalorian culture. Okay. So a lot of the like Mandalorian cosplayers and things that you see, but also a lot of the legends stuff for the Mandalorians. She created that. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. I think it's weird, toxic masculinity. I also don't like her very much as a personality and the way she interacts with people. Fair. Uh, she famously like was going to write a series of books on Imperial Commando uh, and she walked away from it because she was mad that George Lucas didn't use all of her Mandalorian ideas exactly as she wrote them. And I'm like, we don't have time to get into that. She hilariously wrote the Clone Wars novelization and according to Wyatt, who was a guest on episode three, there was some weird bits where like Palian tells Ahsoka to put on a shirt or something. It's okay. It's very odd, but basically I didn't like her version of the Mandalorians very much and it has tainted 
tainted my view of Mandalorians, and now this show has made me emotionally care about the Mandalorians as a See, people. That's what you get for reading Star Wars books. That is what I get for reading. This is, is your own fault. You books. did this to yourself. That I, is what know, I I've get. been saying that for a long time. And then he's like, "No, well, just read this one. Oh, we'll just read this one. I oh, curate the good one. ones for you, right? With that's the exception of Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple stands. I have Bradley out here reading Thrawn. I have him reading Dark Disciple. I have him reading Phasma. I'm not recommending Freefall to him. I'm not recommending Heir to the Jedi to him. No, 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 no. Bradley gets the good ones from me. Otherwise, I'll fucking hear about it. It was actually funny. Uh, literally today in the Divas Discord, somebody tagged me in and was like, so I made the mistake of starting to read the Republic Commando books. And you were completely right about everything. I was like, thank you. I was. That's why you, that's why you promote our Discord. You get validation. <laughs> I do. I see this you is want more people to show up so you can just keep hitting that button and get a little serotonin. This is I, a I encourage semi, this. This I is a symbiotic this. relationship. Yeah, no, it works for right? me. It's like the midichlorians hanging out in the blood. Don't even fucking start. <laughs> Don't even fucking start with fucking midichlorians. God damn it. I fucking hate midichlorians so much. Finn <laughs> and Grogu make their way into Gideon's control room, where Gideon just appears and is furious that Din murdered his Force-sensitive clone. They begin to fight. The Praetorian guards show up and subdue Din. Grogu appears and distracts the guards, leading them away from the fight. In the jetpack battle, the armorer and Casca take out multiple commandos. The Praetorian guards take down the IG-12 mech suit, but Grogu is able to evade them. Din begins to struggle against Gideon, but Bo body checks Gideon to help him out so Din can go save Grogu. Bo takes out her Darksaber and begins her fight with Gideon. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Gideon literally just like... <laughs> appears hey, he does though he I'm really does and i'm having a full shit fit about you killing my clones which is and... weird it's like why did he okay he was sitting there watching mando come through the thing and he knew where he was going so right. he knew he was going to go through the barriers which he knew, means he knew he was going to go through the laboratory so he was just kind of like yeah you know what? let me just let him come through to me like i'm not going to waste my time maybe this him. direct linear design of <laughs> right. this whole lab situation is a bad idea they shouldn't but have then done once that. Once he knew he got into the laboratory, he should have been like, hmm, I should probably like protect my little babies, you know? Like, I don't understand. Nope. He's a terrible mother. Nope. Terrible mother. <laughs> Um, what I do love, though, uh, is is if you listen closely during this whole sequence from the clones on, you can hear the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth of every fanboy who swore up and down that St. John Favreau was going to swoop down and decanonize the sequel trilogy with I actually, this show. I actually put that weeping and wailing and gnashing on so that I can fall asleep to it. <laughs> it's so soothing, isn't it? Oh, it just calms my spirit. Fuck them. No! Not that we're gonna decanonize the sequel trilogy. You guys still believe in Santa, too, don't you? <laughs> Fuck's sake. No, no. It looks like progress was made towards the cloning and getting Force abilities in there as the all paths lead to Palpatine. Almost like that's a thing you can do, and we're establishing it here so that when uh, somebody, cough, cough, Brindle Hux, pulls it off later on, possibly, maybe, we had a discussion about that last week, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't come the fuck out of nowhere. Uh, it's almost like when they got the guy who added a bunch of context and nuance to the prequels mm -hmm. to do this, that the intention was to add context and nuance to other films and not completely ignore them. 
I just don't understand, like, what, what, what wishful thinking logic hoops were they jumping through to think that the final three movies in the Skywalker saga were going to be decanonized by one season of one TV show on Disney Plus? Because, really? really? Because that's that, how that works. That particular type of man on the internet, and let's be fair here, it is it's always men. men. Yep. That particular type of fan on the internet does not want to engage with this material or more importantly with their opinion on this material in any sort of constructive or cohesive way or reality based way or reality based way they are right whatever their opinion of when they watch a thing is the correct opinion there is no subjective art viewing they have to be right they cannot accept the possibility that someone else might view something differently than them so they have to view things in terms of this is objectively bad this is objectively wrong this is objectively terrible so when a thing comes along that contradicts that viewpoint they curl up into a little ball like the hermit crab i had when i was a child and like the hermit crab i had when i was a child eventually they will just die in that shell this is now a horrifying story about your I was pet like, hermit this crab took a left turn into your child psychology like <laughs> you're like why you are the way you are clearly tell me about your mother no um i think it's important it's important to note though it's not their opinions it's the opinion that they were told to have by a youtuber so that part yeah. yes it's it's one or two dudes opinions disseminated out to They're all of these fucking yeah. i think it's a little of column a a little of column b i think this type of person went to the movie with the girl and the black man in it and didn't like that the girl and the black man were in the movie and so they went home and they went on youtube where grifters on the internet gave them the word to express that they didn't like the movies what with the girl and the black man in them mm-hmm. in a way that didn't make them sound sexist or racist. Except that they super sound sexist. Except that they super sound sexist and racist, but they don't realize that. And and for those of you listening, you can always identify when this phenomenon is happening because they all say the same turns of phrase. They will all say the same thing like, Ray is more powerful than she had any right to be. That's a specific turn of phrase that I have seen I can't even count how many times. It's because they all got it from the same fucking video. Anyway, fucking men on the internet. <laughs> like, you don't have to like the sequel trilogy. I know plenty of people that don't. Right. I have my gripes with the sequel trilogy. Same here. But it's it's when they start coming in and they're like, no, it's objectively bad. And I'm like, I don't I can't say objectively about word. your opinion. <laughs> like, yeah, you keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Right. And then they also, they go into this whole thing about how, oh, this is the only Star Wars that is bad. And I'm like, do you guys is remember it? the very first movie? Like, I'm just throwing that out there. This movie was made in the 70s. It was objectively a bad movie and it was amazing. And so I don't know what you're talking about when it you say sh- things are objectively bad. It's like they're, they're always shitty. They're always campy. That's the whole point of that. I don't know how anybody sh- can say that anything is the worst Star Wars when the holiday special is right there. Exactly. Right there. It's there. And my I'm fond of saying that it's a, it's a little joke of mine. The worst Star Wars movie is whatever the last one to come out was. Mm, give it 10 years. Because... Oh, I fucking love it. It's it's always a cycle. 
because it's the movies aren't for you, as Freddie right. Prince Jr. once famously said. They're for fucking kids. They're for fucking mm-hmm. kids. And uh, like the kids of that time. Steph, I'm sorry, I, I have to mention this, but I'm I'm gonna apologize because I'm not a dick like your co-host. Oh. I do get to go to Batu sometimes. And when I do, <laughs> when I do, I'm not apologizing to Bradley, because fuck you. But <laughs> whenever I do get to go to Batu. And it's not as often as Steph's fucking co-host, who has just his magic pass that gets him through the gate whenever, and I hate him for it a well, little bit. That's what happens when you don't have kids. You just go. Truly. <sighs> but whenever I go and you see kids, like you see little girls walking around as Ray, every single time I have been there, I have seen multiple little girls walking around as Ray. I have seen multiple kids walking around with their sequel costumes and their sequel merchandise. They love these movies. Give it 10 years. Those kids are going to be like getting their first writing jobs and they're going to be writing think pieces about how The Force Awakens is really good, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's it, the cycle will begin again. Yep. The cycle of abuse continues with Star Wars. The cy- cycle of abuse of Star Wars. Of continues. Star Wars. It's true because you have you have your original people, you have your prequel people, and now you have your sequel people, and mm-hmm. then you're going to have your sequel sequel people after that. So and there was a whole generation. Going. It's my son's generation is the Clone Wars kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Clone Wars we, was their their Star Wars. That's another generation. We right. just yeah. had two of those people on. If you're listening to the entire season and you didn't just tune in to hear Steph, which in fairness you might have done, but go back and <laughs> go listen back and to listen our... to the whole thing. Go right. And then <laughs> go back and listen. <laughs> to our Wyatt episode in particular. Wyatt is self-admittedly a Clone Wars kid, Mm -hmm. and when he approaches stuff, it is with that mentality. He talks a lot in our episode that we recorded with him about growing up with the Clone Wars. So I highly recommend those episodes. But yeah, there was there was that generation. And I'll cop to it. I fucking hated Clone Wars when it came out. <laughs> There's a very famous story I tell about how I was slated to review the Clone Wars movie for the city paper. So not like mm-hmm. a school paper. It was going to be disseminated to the whole city. And I walked out of the movie and I called my editor and I said, you need to give this movie to someone else. <laughs> and she's like, Charles, you fought tooth and nail in the meeting for this movie. And I said, yeah, but here's my problem with the movie i'm a fan of the original material and all of my complaints about this movie are gonna be as somebody who's just mad it didn't do the thing he wanted so please give it to someone else proudest moment of my life that review that was did very not go grown to paper. Up. i had to work it. through so this is what you could do before the internet you just didn't publish all your opinions into the echo chamber and get validation you had to reconcile them over multiple years and come to the conclusion you were wrong and needed to do some learning and growing amazing this did used to happen and that's on being a grown-up kids that right there <laughs> and <clears throat> when, let's segueing back into <laughs> i do have a note i do have a quick note it's about... one of those wonderful moments where you tangent but the tangent is so good that you're like oh no no oh, is that the what tangent that needs to keep going did you just compliment your own tangent i complimented your tangent oh, okay, and okay. ours collectively <laughs> as a group. okay so let me talk real quick about gideon okay yes his, his desire to mass produce force abilities, not just make one clone that has force abilities, not just imbue himself with force abilities, which apparently didn't even occur to him, but to isolate the thing that makes force abilities happen and then mass produce that is very on brand with him. And his like 
cheap and quick fast fashion version of Beskar armor that he's put out to all of his dudes and himself and his fucking cultural appropriation. He's wanting to reproduce the force and I guarantee you it's because he wants to throw shit around with his mind and not because he has any idea about it being a connection of all life force beings across the planet, the galaxy, etc, etc. No nuance, just grab what you like and mass produce it. He's what's wrong with capitalism. There, I said it. Yay! There's a bit of <laughs> capitalism this episode. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> I think that uh I think that he's the type of dude that is obsessed with the idea of feeling clever. So mm. he can't go with actual clever idea, which is, hey, what if I gave myself the force? Mm-hmm. He has to be more clever than that because he's Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. He's better than all these pleb Imperial warlords running around. He has to make his clone army of force users. Like, But That's of course, we, we have to extrapolate all of this because we spent no fucking time with them. And thus, this moment is literally the only insight we get into his mentality or why he has done any of this. And look, Giancarlo Esposito, Esposito is working so hard. He's trying. He is just pouring his life's blood into five minutes of screen time and it's good he's very he's very i will give him this he's on par with ian mcdermott in the original trilogy there you go he's barely in it but when he's in it oh man he's gonna own every scene he's in to be clear the performance not the script correct yeah it's yeah the the script for return of the jedi uh stands up to scrutiny Mm-hmm. There's my shade that I'm throwing. <clears throat> go ahead and throw it. You throw it all. Speaking. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to uh, talk about the Praetorian Guard and talk shit about them for a minute. Uh, That's what I was going to do. Do they Where appear you before? Let me, let me check timestamps real thing. No, real we talked about it. He said it. Bradley said it. I did say it. I was listening. I listen when Bradley talks. I don't know if you do that. I don't. Um, okay. I don't listen when okay. Bradley so, talks. So just a little insight for you, Steph. <laughs> when we do mm-hmm. Ahsoka, we're going to do my script thing a little differently. I'm going to literally oh, yeah? be like, the. we're going to start with the scene where Grogu is doing this, and then we're going to end with this that way we can talk about all the stuff in the middle and i don't have to say anything else because it's going to be way too much talking in this next season so ahsoka is going to be by ourselves and the reason is (laughs) our guest episodes on average average about two hours to two and a half hours uh our solo episodes average about 45 minutes to an hour nice. uh, ahsoka was two and a half hours the length of our, some of our longest guest episodes by ourselves wait ahsoka was the ahsoka episode of season two oh, of the Mandalorian. Yeah. it was a good episode anyway remember back when scripts were really good in mandalorian oh god, god that was a good time you just want to go back to that episode real quick talk about that <laughs> i don't I do. Let's talk about the Praetorian Guard. Speaking of the stupid shit that happens in the script, the Praetorian Guard, who, by the way, were literally just waiting for the music cue to to pop up so they could come out of the smoke. Yeah. Um, And look, full credit, that was a good entrance. This is how you know they're going to work for a Sith someday. Because drama on the entrance, good for them. Um, They overpowered him. They've got him on the ground. He's pinned to the ground. And like, why would you ever have Din Djarin pinned to the ground and then let him go? for on every level on right. on the violence level on the brown chicka brown brown level like i would never let him go but that's just me personally <laughs> but they look up from the legitimately very dangerous mandalorian warrior that they have pinned to the ground because they hear a baby in a mech suit go coo over there and they're like fuck this guy all right. three of them have to go deal with the baby 
Really? Right. What kind of dossier did fucking Gideon give them on this goddamn baby that they felt like they needed to do that? That's you the only thing. It, like, I have to headcanon that. You know, you know what it probably was? Because they, Gideon probably did not give them a dossier because they're on loan. They're but then on why loan would from they, Brindlehawks and Paleon. Why wouldn't they look at look at this baby and go, huh, that's a fucking weird baby in a mech suit. Right, and right, then right. go back to kicking Din Djarin's ass. Maybe it's a primal, it looks like a Yoda and therefore it has to die thing. But does anybody of this generation even know what a Yoda looks like? There was one. Yeah, they must not know, yeah. And it's not like he made a lot of TV appearances. There were two. He didn't didn't do good morning Coruscant, okay? Like, Yoda was not a super well-known dude. There were two. Yaddle was also there. Yaddle existed for a minute. Yaddle was also there. Well, she Uh, got mercilessly destroyed. Which is now we know what happens to her because, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, she does show up. Stefan, I I know you haven't read up to phase two of the High Republic, but for (laughs) our listeners who maybe are are interested in powering through the pain that is the High Republic. I'm not. (laughs) Yaddle does show up in phase two, uh, and she is hands down the highlight of Cataclysm. Uh, She is a badass. And I at least, because I have read that book and know, I will always put respect on her name. Oh, she's fucking great. I forgot about her because I'm a terrible person. Um, but yeah, no, they, they didn't write. They, there was no good goddamn reason in the world for them to peel away from fighting uh, the Mandalorian and go after right. the baby, other than for us to go, oh no, Grogu. But we know. Grogu's fine. Even when the doors, even when the doors like close and then and he's like, he's got his little robot mech suit hands in front of himself to protect. No, he's fine. Literally, the next time we see him, I'm skipping ahead just a little bit. Literally, the next time we see him, he is skipping along the top of the things, fucking laughing. He's fine. (laughs) He is having the best time running away from these Praetorian guards. They're literally just chasing a baby around. It's fucking stupid. Um, I do love that Mando is rescued by his lesbian girlfriend. Um, that was a it was a great moment. The way she stood, she like body checked him off of there and stood <laughs> and turned to him and said, "Go save your kid." And in that right. moment, she was my dream girl. Just <laughs> I sure. just fell I fell in love with her a whole lot. So love her. And so did Din. So does yeah. everyone. Before she she jumps down on there, I do have two quick things I want to point out. Uh, the first thing I want to point out is Bradley mentioned a moment where they're all fighting in the air, and Bo-Katan slashes a guy with the dark saber and mare. The armor fucking cold clocks a guy with her hammer in mm-hmm. midair. And then Casca, fucking bless her heart, was like, I'm gonna imagine these guys are Vince McMahon. Slides <laughs> across the thing, drops, shoots, knee rockets. The thing that all three of these characters have in common is they're all a woman getting a badass moment in this scene. Uh-huh. It is uh-huh. not remarked upon. It is rather like the one in season two. It is just there. But all of these three characters that get a spotlight in this scene are all badass women kicking these stormtroopers' ass. It's fucking glorious. It is. I it love it. And I almost wish they would have cut the garden scene to have more. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. <laughs> that would have been fine with it, yeah. We could get rid of the pretty flowers uh, and just let these women fucking just... Because, yeah, it's weird that the armor is is bringing a hammer to a gunfight, uh, but that's a Beskar hammer. 
<laughs> yeah. She's fine. <laughs> Actually, logically, it makes more sense because uh-huh. we see that the guns don't really do that much damage on their armor. So she's really the only one who's really getting in there with it because her hammers can uh, theoretically break and or damage their armor. That's what they're, they're designed for. They're designed right. for forging Beskar. So yeah, she's all over it. They're right. also moving so fast that yeah. it is hard to get a blaster bolt on a Mandalorian when you're moving one way and the Mandalorian's moving the other way. But when it's up close with a hammer, no, you're done. Yeah, You're done. You're yeah. out of yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, all my elation at this scene uh, only rose uh, when moments later, Moff Gideon attempted to flamethrower Din Djarin <laughs> and it did nothing. <laughs> It did not even burn the cloth on him. He's such he's such a fucking poser noob. He doesn't know what he's doing with the goddamn flamethrower. He hits him right in the face with the flamethrower and then's yeah. like oh there is a flamethrower in my face uh, immediately gets up and like in season two at least it caught ahsoka's robe on fire and forced her to like shrug her see? robe off see this jedi, she was a jedi, jedi so, yeah that's uh, her weakness the one and <laughs> only time i'll allow you they're useful is when you're up against a jedi and you're not in the gendi tartakovsky series because if you're in the gendi tartakovsky series the jedi will simply part the flames and it will That's do true. nothing. That's true. As I'm so fond of pointing out. I um, do love that series. But yes, Bo appears as like, get your kid. And I'm like, damn right, that's his kid. And then my next note is is just just kick his ass, Bo. Just do it. Just God. kick his ass. God. I love I'm skipping ahead a little bit too because I want to mesh this all into one thing. I love how fucking pissed she is in this scene. Yeah. There's no like demure, like fighting with elegance. She's fucking pissed. She's screaming and she is wailing on his ass. Mm-hmm. It's very Ray in yeah. all of her appearances where she's like, no, I'm just going to be mad and beat the shit out of this guy. I love it. I support it. I, I support uh, feminine rage fully. Grogu is avoiding the guards until one of the guards cuts off part of the platform that he lands on, causing him to fall. Din shows up, and the two take on the guards together, Grogu using the force to help Din fight, and he takes out all three guards. Meanwhile, Axewolves contacts Kreese, telling her that he plans on ramming the flaming Mandalorian capital ship into Gideon's base. During their fight, Gideon gets the upper hand over Kreese and crushes the Darksaber in her hand. Din shows up to support Bo just as the light cruiser comes crashing into the base, and the Mando family take on Gideon together. Gideon is consumed by the inferno from the ship, but Grogu uses the force to create a force bubble around both Tin and Bo, saving them. I will give this sequence a lot of shit for being fucking ridiculous, but I do like that the way they beat the Praetorian guards is Grogu and Din fighting together. Right. That's I do really like good. that. Where Grogu's like, he's he can't fight them directly, right. but he's just being a little pain in the ass he's and moving their system, stuff yeah. around mm-hmm. so Din can get in there and do <laughs> right. the actual murder. <laughs> right. I, lo- I do love that. I do, I do really love that Grogu uh, is is embodying the fine, fine Jedi tradition of not remembering that he even has the Force until the story needs him to have the Force. Because he could have just pinned all three of those motherfuckers to the wall until his dad got there. Very true. But, but he did not. In fact, he was trapped under a pipe. Oh no, I'm just a poor little baby. <laughs> and there is a pipe on me. I certainly don't have fucking magic space telekinesis also, that could get this off like, me. 
holding the fort like he's holding the pipe up like it's not crushing him he's like doing a weak little ah, ah. it's so heavy yeah never no, mind but... he choked out two stormtroopers last season right, right. Like, and, but this is this is even before he was trained he fucking destroyed multiple stormtroopers at a time he fucking levitated a rhyhorn anyway he totally could have handled it however when the story needs the jedi to not be able to use their force powers they don't use them and this was that case I just want to point out you called it a Rhyhorn. Is it not a Rhyhorn? <laughs> That's a Pokemon. Uh, it looks like a Pokemon, I guess. Uh, it's a Mudhorn. It's a Mudhorn, yeah, right? Mudhorn. See, it's a Rhyhorn. I didn't even know that was a Pokemon until you said it. Because it's a Pokemon. Yeah, it's a fucking Pokemon. <laughs> I, I don't remember oh, Pokemon, uh, but Bradley probably would have appreciated that My reference. ultra nerd is showing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that Axe Woves wasn't like, hey, Bo, do you want me to crash this ship? Right. He's like, I'm He's fucking like, crashing happening. it. It's happening. It's happening right now. I can't do anything Mandalorians. Mandalorians. Yeah. Fucking Mandalorians. Um, and I was cheering him on, but that didn't come anywhere near the volume of my cheer when the goddamn Darksaber was finally fucking destroyed. Can we please kill the MacGuffin already? Fucking snaps the dark saber like Good. a twig. <laughs> fucking fucking kill it. I don't I just The dark saber has been like the fucking ring of power since the goddamn clone wars and I this was like throwing the ring of power into the fires of Mount Doom for me. I was so glad to see it go. Bye. Cuz they don't need it anymore. No. And that It doesn't mean what it meant before. That's the thing. It. It, it, she, the dark saber didn't unite Mandalore. Bo Katan united Mandalore. Exactly. The dark saber was not necessary as a piece right. of iconography. It was the, and it was the Dumbo feather of her fucking leadership. She didn't need it. She could have flown the whole time. And that's Bo Katan's character arc over the course of this season. Is when we meet her on Kalivala, R.I.P. to Castle Kreese. When we meet her, she's given up hope because if she doesn't have the Darksaber, what is she? Her her fleet has disappeared. Mm -hmm. The people aren't listening to her. Like, Din's group isn't going to come anywhere. Fuck her, I guess, right? And then at the end of it, no, she, she never really needed it. She had the capability to unite the Mandalorians all along. She and did. she did. And, and she, she found says, that in herself. And she is this season's titular Mandalorian. That is God a damn it. Spicy hot take that I 100% agree with. You know, and I really wish what they would have done, though, with this Darksaber is like once he crushed it and it was on the ground and then like maybe later on in the scene, um, I would have liked them to like go over to it and see it and it would like crumbled into dust because of the Inferno or whatever. But then mm -hmm. maybe like the crystal was still there and then maybe like Grogu just takes it like kind of like as a like, oh, I'm just going to hold oh, on that to crystal's later, coming back. That motherfucker's It'll coming come back. back. Yeah, yeah that because motherfucker's Filoni coming can't back. let that go. Are you kidding me? Right. No, no. of course not. And I'm no. assuming uh, Maz Kanata just found it one day randomly because yeah, that's absolutely. how Yeah, that's what she does. <laughs> it's a good story for another time. For another time, right. I, I also want to point out, so Gideon like grabs it crushes it in her hand like an asshole yes because you know he has pistons designed just for that and then fucking yanks her helmet off <laughs> and for the first time ever her hair is slightly must <laughs> it was like you fucking dick fuck i hate you so much he's such he a to look into her eyes when he defeated her so it was mentioned at the, the top of the episode that there was some concern that Axe Woes was not going to make it out of this episode. I mean, minor had, a, had some little, he Sweeting. wasn't collecting death flags, but he like was in the same room with one. 
But then Axel's remembered he had a jetpack. Yeah. Right. And he's a like, oh, I could just jump out of the window and survive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine, everybody. I'm fine. I live to handsome another day. George Lucas named me, apparently, so I can't die. That's why his name is dumb. <laughs> yeah, because George Lucas named him. Woves? Axe really? Woves. Woves. Apparently George Lucas. From what I have heard, George Lucas apparently was on set the day of his first appearance and named him. Named the character Axe Woves. And you can't in any way countermand what has been bestowed by a visitation from God King Lucas. No. I know he's visited the set of Fuck The Mandalorian at least once before because there's photos of him holding Grogu. Right. And, and with, and with uh, Ahsoka, mm -hmm. with Rosario as Ahsoka. Batman, I'm waiting for his museum to open here so I can go and be sulking the whole time about is how that much a thing I that's really going to happen. That's yeah. a thing that's really going to happen. One of my coworkers is really into Star Wars. He mm -hmm. apparently drives by the museum every so often. Huh? That they're they're constructing. That's still happening. Apparently. Cool. All right. I'm I'm sure I will go to it at some point. Yeah. Uh, if you I'm, could walk through with a really sullen look on your face. I will. I will just sulk the whole time. That'd be great. I yeah. will glare and glower. I will just be uh, slightly un unpleasant about the entire thing. And, and then I will go and drink a large quantity of alcohol. And keep asking the volunteers at this museum, where is the no underwear in space exhibit? need to know where that is. I, I need to know just specifically where in narrative design it was appreciate to put the preteen mm -hmm. in a tube top. Yep. Why did you, where in narrative design does it say that's the appropriate way to do things? George. Oh, George. Oh, George. So Grogu does a big force bubble save and of course he was going to. Yes, just like, like at the end of season one. Again, yeah. we are calling back to the end of season one. Ring theory. There you go. That's exactly like, what you do not bring up ring theory in my presence. <laughs> and again, <laughs> uh, and again uh, you know, this is just, this is you know, the low stakes in the episode. Um, because if you've got Grogu there, you're fine. Especially mm. if you're his dad and his auntie right. and, and and you're fine and so i i like of course he saves them um but you gotta wonder like where did grogu learn to make a big crazy force bubble luke didn't fucking teach him that that he like, did it he did it back he did it intuitively back in season right. one so he's just, just he's just a self-taught little feral guy yeah. out there like i don't know what the fuck look i love you luke skywalker i don't know what the fuck you thought you were gonna teach him right he taught okay. him he taught him the value of conflict resolution and breaking up a fight on a barge and that as far as we can tell is the only thing that luke really taught him also he taught him how to jump a lot he did teach him jumping that's he good taught him jumping. Um, also taught him how to say fuck you to ultimatums so uh, there you go there you go i'm not sure if that was a lesson that he intended to teach him but it's I mean, what it was cute. It, it was cute and all, but I mean, Kanan Jarrus was quaking in his boots uh, from beyond the grave watching this because he was just like, <laughs> "Oh, so you haven't listened? You haven't listened to it, Bradley? But I just listened to the latest Darkside Divas episode as of recording this podcast. Which, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, it will have been the previous episode, so not the one that is dropping the same day this comes out. Okay. Because our podcasts are weirdly insane. Well, but the previous one, Empire Day, they have a 
whole conversation about Kanan Jarrus and attachment. Mm. Which legitimately did happen. Doesn't have a lot to do with Kanan protecting himself from fire, or not, for that matter. But yeah. It's just funny you bring up Kanan Jarrus, and I saw an opportunity to plug Darkseid Divas. For the fourth time today. (laughs) Listen. Bradley's like, could you could you plug our show? (laughs) So the difference the difference between the difference between Bradley and I uh is that Bradley doesn't have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. I do because I have permission special permission at work to listen to podcasts while i work because the nature of my job that's how i get to listen to so many and because i listen to so many i'm constantly plugging them on this show and he gets so sick of it (laughs) (laughs) well because i can't listen to him so you know it's almost like i feel left out it's a FOMO. you are left out no one likes you all the people who are everybody likes bradley it's bizarre (laughs) (laughs) people fucking like bradley it's really bizarre to me it's the weirdest thing it's Um, the weirdest thing i really getting back to the the force bubble in the fire i really like that moment i think um and it was one of those moments where you realize like if you go back over the show anytime they've got uh mando and bo katan in the same shot Mando, of course, has his helmet on. If Bo-Katan does not have her helmet on, whatever look is on her face is on Mando's face. It's just under the helmet. Right. Like she, she's like his facial expression interpreter. And so she's like, what the fuck? And that's <laughs> so is Mando. I love it. Like, that's at least that's what I, how I choose to interpret all of that. I, I also accept that as an interpretation. And yes, uh, Gideon did get consumed by the fire. He did the no and threw his arms out uh-huh, to get yeah. disintegrated, which is how you know he's coming back. He's coming back. We're not done with him. He's going to come back with like cool scar makeup or something. I don't fucking know. So this or is the a best great guy time. is going to be like welded on. <gasps> he's going to have like the helmet just like and he's, he's going to have it like attached to his like he like he can't take the helmet off. It <laughs> can't take it off. Like, and he will talk at all times off. in the in the helmet distorted voice, which thank you. Yes, oh please. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Forever and Do ever. Do that. Do that. John, if you're listening to this podcast, which I really <laughs> He's don't not listening. Because he I will. just spent eight episodes bashing your writing. Shitting do down that, his neck, yeah. Do that thing I just said. Or when the WGA forces your ass to have a writer's room, mm-hmm. as it should. I live in LA. You can hire me. Honey. <laughs> I will write the thing. Shine on, you crazy diamond. Dream big, baby. Dream big. Uh, I, this is a great I moment. I keep insisting that. This is a great moment to bring up my crazy conspiracy theory of this is not actually Moff Gideon. Oh, for fuck's sake. Do go on. You think that was his clone? I think this was the clone. <gasps> you think that's why he disappeared out of the command center and then I all of a sudden reappeared because it was his clone? I don't think this oh! was really Moff Gideon. Oh, I love it. I love it. A hundred percent accepted. I'm on board with this theory. I yes. just, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to make sense. And I thought it was weird because I was like, hmm, this has been the main villain since the beginning of the show and he's barely in the show. And it just kind of seems odd that they're just like, hmm, we're just going to let him die in a blazing fire. That's not actually the cause of Mando or Grogu killing him. It just happened chance that this inferno blazing. <sighs> and takes him out? I don't think so. I think this was a decoy. I I have an unfortunate counterpoint to this. I also have a a counterpoint to this. My own theory. (laughs) And my counterpoint is... Have you watched anything John Favreau has written? <laughs> he does not think that far ahead. But Feloni's no, involved, mean, yeah. and Feloni does. Ugh. 
so anyway, this is my my one theory, right? Is that oh, that's not really Gideon. Just the one. That's my Just one the theory. One? My second theory. Oh, for is fuck's that, sake! Is that it actually is Gideon, but one of his clones survived, and then that clone is going to get revenge for <laughs> his father. Is his, being is his name Gideon? <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> thank you for listening to gold squadron Day. Follow us on Twitter. i love it no I, I love the idea that that gideon wasn't even there he was just like no nope, that yeah, little green dot there. is too close i'm out of here yeah that's, I, that's like so it would just make the most sense it's either that or the suit protected him and he's fine either way we have not seen the last of moff gideon oh of course not like why even establish the fact that he has clones and not be like hmm, let's make evil clone number 76 that, come back for season four i you do know have, what I mean? g- like, getting back to when we got a good look at his clones earlier why were they all old why were all of his clones the same age as like current age, moff gideon yeah, yeah. like which makes I, no sense it's not that hard. It's like, just younger than I ran. Yeah, because even Boba because... Fett clones were like a slightly younger, like more advanced did version you say of Boba it. Fett clones. Oh, did I say Boba Fett? I meant Django Fett. Um, there we go. Okay. Uh, sorry. sorry. Oh, I didn't wow. <laughs> just keep it. Keep Can it you slather a little more condescension on that, please? That would be right. Look, I'm just keeping Mr. Attack of the Clones Ooh. as my favorite Star Wars movie over there honest. <laughs> Anyway, so wow, Django really? Clones, in a like a nostalgic, like this is you know like my what? childhood kind of way. You do you, baby. Somebody's got to love it. That's right. Well, there's, <laughs> we found the one person that, do- and now that I've said that, right, about a dozen people are going to tag me somewhere, either on uh, Discord or on Twitter, because I can think of at least one other person for whom that's their favorite movie. I, somebody's going to tag me and be like, it's it's my favorite movie too. And I'm like, I'm just well, inviting to, to, that upon to myself. To clarify, it was my favorite as a kid and I there liked it that much. However, currently, I think I would probably say Solo is probably my current favorite only because it's like nice. the most fun. You it know is I mean? super fun. It's I'm just, just the most fun, fun movie. I'm just giving Bradley shit because my favorite Star Wars movie is Last Jedi and I've been hearing it for five fucking years. <laughs> So I just get to dish it out a little bit to Bradley. It's therapeutic. It's cathartic for me. Please, Bradley, continue with your no doubt terrible fucking theory. <laughs> okay, so anyway, long story long, Gideon's not dead. Uh, no. That was either A, a clone of him, or B, the suit protected him, and he's just not dead, and he's coming back next season like normal. Exactly. Um, yep, yep. I, I just hope and pray and whatever, to whatever Mandalorians believe in, that they focus on him next season or make him right. a, a focus like just or give him a whole fucking episode by himself and don't ever show mando once like i need to see him just do things just do things hey, just be out there eviling it up yeah hey dave yeah. hey dave you know jennifer corbett you know jennifer corbett who works in your building go ask her how to do this <laughs> like go walk into jennifer corbett's office and be like hey how do i write a really good random antagonist centric episode to provide pathos and depth to my antagonistic characters so that even though they are separated from the main narrative of the story we still feel as though they are important to the overall arc of the show she will tell you how to do this because she did it in bad batch season two just do that he knows how to do that though i mean how how much time did we spend following maul and his gorgeous brother That's around true. back in it's Clone john Wars. that needs to go it's talk john to jennifer Favre. corbett i blame I know john Dave knows for everything. How to do that. 
Uh, I'm not letting Dave Filoni or Noah Clore get away from me, but yes, I do blame John Favreau for many, many things on this show. So many things. Bradley, you want to take us into the the 18 endings? The Return <laughs> of the King. I, I was going to say, I literally have two separate paragraphs for two separate endings, basically. So it's nice. like, all right, well, nice. there you go. Following the defeat of Gideon, the armorer holds a ceremony at the Living Waters. Ragnar takes on the Creed, and Din shows up with Grogu, asking the armorer to induct Grogu. But she refuses, as he is unable to dis- to speak the Creed. Din asks her if parent permission is okay and agrees to adopt (laughs) Grogu as his son officially. She accepts this and names him Din Grogu. Later, the armorer hands Kree's a flame to light the Great Forge and Mandalorians from both factions chant as the forge is rekindled. Mm-hmm. So that was that was eighteen thousand endings, part one. Part one, right? So, uh, yeah, Din is his last name. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Oh, I knew you guys were gonna bring this up because so every single little paragraph thing that I've ever said on this show where I do like a summary of the scene, I always say Din. I always mm-hmm. say Din. I always say Din. I've referred to him as Din throughout this episode. His name is Jaren. Yep. Yeah, it, like it's like every every the thing that sent the most ripples. <laughs> Throughout the Star Wars fandom was learning that Din was his last name because that means every single ship name is wrong. <laughs> I mean, unless we're going to call him by his last name, you know, like, you know, I mean, maybe, right, which is still something people are. do. I mean, yeah, sure. But yeah. Then now that leads me like into a weird theory of like, so if you're named after your like, I guess you're. Uh, a leader or whatever whoever your apprentice person is then like that means there's a din out there so like someone with the name so, din who apprentice it's not it's not uh, there's two points i need to bring up this one din grogu doesn't become din grogu until uh din Djarin adopts him as his son it's not the apprentice thing it's the he literally adopted him as his flesh and blood mm. son thing that gave him the name two we have to assume because din is the only per fucking hell i just said it again there we go i'm gonna keep saying it you know what Fuck it's you. like calling him johnson okay like it's right. just, it's yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, you know like what it. smith over there we have to assume that this is a thing that was in his culture pre him joining the mandalorians because mm. mm-hmm. he's the only one that does this it's bo-katan Kree's. it's Casca Reeves, it's Axwell, Satine Kreese, Pre Vizsla, Paz Vizsla, all of that. Every single one has been first name, last name. We have to assume this was carried over from his original culture. And they kept it, which is a cool thing, kind of, actually, that mm-hmm. they kept that. That's my explanation. I also I have to say, hell yeah, just portraying adoption in Star Wars as a thing that's cool. I Wait, love seeing that. Hold on. You mean that you can become a member of a whole other family that you were not a member of before, and now you can use their name because they're your fucking family? Well, you see, what happened was uh, he gave permission. Um Never mind that maybe in certain other scenes that permission can be nonverbal, that it can be communicated through a look or a gesture from, say, two people who are standing there. Uh, no, you see, obviously it's different because he said the Her words name is Ray Skywalker, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Her name is Ray Skywalker. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, um, I love the Din Grogu. I love how proud Grogu looks because he's like, oh, now he's really my dad and that's amazing. Uh, and I would have been able to focus on all of that if I wasn't wondering why the fuck is Din's helmet wet? 
He has drops of water on his helmet the whole time he's talking to the armorer. Now, just a minute before in that scene, she like splished a bunch of water all over fucking Ragnar, the orphan's head, and sent him on his way. Now he's taking Holy shit, you're right. Din's helmet is wet. Dude, his helmet is fucking wet. Why is his helmet wet? There's just a lot of moisture in the room, I guess. No, there's a scene that got cut out there and then they didn't have somebody from continuity run up and dab his fucking mask off. That's exactly right. Let me me hop over. Like she probably poured it on his face too or something for some random reason. And then yeah, there's some whole ass other thing. There's something. Yeah, I'm trying to get a shot of. Like maybe that was part of the adoption was like splishing. Right. It was going to be a whole ceremony. Flash him with living waters. And And they were like, no, no, we can't. Can't yeah. have that scene here. We need to keep the scene in the garden, though. No, right. I just, I just stopped it on an image of Bo-Katan. She is bone dry. Yeah, he's the only wet one. What the fuck? What happened? Anyway, I do like also that Grogu then to end the scene leans over and like into the water i think he's legit force talking to the mythosaur oh 100 percent. and was like hey buddy i'm in the family now and the mythosaur's like fuck and swims off (laughs) the mythosaur's like yeah see you in at the end of the thing when someone rides me right probably didn't happen right um which i didn't understand is like this again they tease it another time and it doesn't come to fruition of like why it's there in the water other than just being an easter egg i don't know what you mean they would never tease a thing or bring up a thing and make it be important and then never follow it through not in season three of the mandalorian oh god no they definitely wrote at least two drafts of this season (laughs) they definitely wrote at least two I do have of two notes here that I want to bring up for this scene specifically uh, before we move into the forge. One is that did either of you notice the difference in the creed that Ragnar is taking between the first episode of the season and now? No. There is absolutely no mention of him not removing his helmet. <gasps> You're right. There is okay, that. okay. And I noted in season one, it, well, not in season one, but in episode one, they specifically mention that I will not remove my helmet. Now they don't. That is not part of it. And we hear the full thing. Right. Like, that's the full thing beginning to end. Do you think they, like, re-baptized anyone who was like, can I take off my fucking helmet right. to They're eat, like, please? it's a little easier to eat I if think, I don't wear this. I so think they have omitted it? it so that they can baptize more people into the creed. Like, they have changed... This is the full character arc. The fucking religion goes. This is the King James Bible of Mandalorian creeds. Is that what you're saying? Creeds. They Love have it. now changed it to be more accessible to all Mandalorians. And also, okay. you're not going to get fucking kicked out of being a Mandalorian if you take your helmet off. It's a tiny little thing. <laughs> But it and if you would rather, so much. if you would rather not have to sort of awkwardly walk away from the campfire to go find a quiet place to eat by <laughs> yourself, eat. maybe re up on this creed where you're allowed to take your helmet off. I also like uh, the armor's little. This is the way. Like she was expecting Den to do something. Like oh, a hundred percent. No, everything about her mannerisms in that scene is like she's waiting for him to say, "Okay, so I'll adopt the kid." Like she's yeah. I think the implication too, when she says like, oh, you need to go out into the galaxy and teach him as your teacher took you. Who have we seen teaching Din throughout the galaxy for the entirety of this season? The armor. She's talking about herself. Yes. She's clearly oh, talking about herself. I Okay, so that, now that, so that kind of makes more sense now. I was like, are we going to like learn about this mysterious person that it's trained her. him slash no. taught him? Okay, so it's her. I think we're going to find out at some point that she's she's the closest thing to a mom. 
that right. he's had, which is so. Are we going to ever learn explains... her actual name? No, she doesn't have a name. Her name's it's Rookcast. <laughs> um, but I do it think if you were Rookcast. if you were raised by the armor, it explains a lot about why Din is socially the way he is. Well, what if she adopted Din? So then that mm-hmm. makes her actually a Din, Din armor. Well. Yeah, Din armor. <laughs> yeah, that's her name. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, what about the forge, babe? What? They light, they light the forge. Uh, my only real note from that, because whatever, it's a feel-good scene. Yay, we're happy right. they've reclaimed Mandalore. I feel emotional about this. Uh, for the first time ever, I have felt about Mandalorians who are not Satine Krees. Uh, I do like that Ragnar is standing next to Axe Woves in this scene mm-hmm. with the sort of implication that Axe has taken Paz's son on as an apprentice. I like that as well. Yeah. Well, it's I an like implication, yeah. sort of headcanony thing, but you know what? Mm-hmm. It's one that I really, really like. Yeah. That they like didn't that. get along, but then he took his son on as an apprentice to look right. after him. I like that. I like that. So then, do we have anything else for this? Do we, what are we, what's happening? I mean, what's going on? Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Don't we well, have like nine more endings? I this have episode. Notice, we have a whole other part too. We have we have more endings. Is this the last paragraph, Bradley? This is the last bit. This yeah. is the last this, paragraph. This nice. is the next. We're going ending. to take it on to the end. Okay. Huzzah! Finally, Din and Grogu head to Adelphi base to meet up with Carson Tiva, where Din offers a business proposition to work for the New Republic as an independent contractor hunting down Imperial remnant. He takes an assassin's droid head as an advance payment, and then back on Navarre. Grief Karga gifts Mando with a cabin to thank him for saving the town from pirates. And Din gifts the town with a repaired IG-11 to serve as a new Marshal of Navarro. At his new cabin, Din watches over Grogu playing with a frog. Torturing a frog. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, this is where it got real fan fiction-y for me. I'm like, really? You mean the scene where Dave Filoni literally shows up in the scene? It's just... It's just Dave Filoni in the bar. Now, I know the last time we were in this bar, Dave Filoni was also in the scene. But this time it was more egregious because it's like he's not even in a costume. It's really like I'm surprised we don't get a shot of his wolf T-shirt in this scene. It's just Dave Filoni with his hat sitting at the bar talking to people, Dave Filoni-ing it up. Right. Literally just he was just there on set that day. Just a guy. Just just sit there there. on the scene. Yeah. Eat your lunch while you. They did nothing to Star Wars him up. That's just Dave Filoni. That's just Dave, and he is wearing his hat. God damn it. Anyway, I mean, good for him or whatever. Um, I like that Grogu went straight for the bar snacks. I did note same. that. I did note that. Look, every, a lot of characters have gone through arcs this season. Grogu is the same. He yep. is just the same character, and we are fine with that. He's a hungry, hungry hippo. He's a growing he boy. He also kind of says words in this scene. Uh-huh. Like he verbally communicates something and Din understands what he's saying, Mm -hmm. which is, I was like, okay, okay. Cause he, he was trying to talk earlier in the season. I guess he's kind of figured out how to verbalize words that Din can understand. There was definitely, um, speaking as a mother person um there was definitely points in both of my kids development when they were little and they were sort of transitioning from baby babble to actual words where nobody understood what they were saying but me like i understood every word but if if you weren't living there with them all the time and having to interpret what the fuck they were saying all the time uh then you had no idea so yeah no that's that is a perfectly logical like toddler level of development of their relationship see this is why i enjoy bringing on people 
people to the show who are not uh, specifically a pair of cisgendered white men who get these perspectives that we just don't have. <laughs> I have reproduced, and so I have those skills upon which to draw. Um, I do like that they really, and by like, I mean... Uh, they really very explicitly explain what is going to happen with the Din family now. Guys, we found okay. the plot of season four. Exactly. It's going to be Adventure of the Week going on. Uh, or, or they're going to become like the free floating adventuring NPCs in the background of other people's stories in these Disney I, Plus shows. I think they're probably going more for that mm -hmm. because now I think that, you know, with Ahsoka coming out and um, everything, I feel like they're kind of like, okay, we've told the Mandalorian story. So right. like, let's just like, kind of like let that be and let's have him and Grogu show up to, you know, help out once in a while or yeah. to whatever. Like, you know, oh, we randomly need a bounty hunter this episode. So who the fuck else would show up but or fucking or we've encountered someone who it turns out has a bounty on their head and oh no you happen to be being hunted by right right right, right. the mandalorian the mandalorian uh, and his magic baby right well what i find very funny is and we don't necessarily have this substantiated we're just sort of working off rumor and hearsay <laughs> i have heard the grapevine Cannot explicitly confirm any of this to be accurate, but I have heard that hunting down Imperial Remnant Warlords was going to be the plot of Rangers of the New Republic. Hey. And so whoop, there it is. I the wonder plot, why gave uh, the season plot four is already Dan. written. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of ideas. They just they crossed out some Rangers. names. <laughs> I bet you that's exactly what they did. And mm -hmm. it's pretty much, I mean, we saw that with episode three or four or whatever it was this season. Uh, three. Like, yeah. And three and like, five. Three and five. It's like, we probably are just doing a Book of Boba Fett thing here where we plucked the first episode of Rangers of the New Republic, throw it in the Mando season, and then be like, hey guys, let's just rework Mando season four to be completely Rangers of the New Republic and call it yeah. a day. Which is fine. That's Which is fine. I get it. Fine. But yeah, I get it. But still. They, they gave Mando the story and they gave IG-11 Cara Dune's job. <laughs> And As that's they a thing. should. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> how do you, how, uh, how fucking fan fiction y did that feel? Or just like, oh, and I brought you a gift. I am IG 11. I am now the marshal of your town. You all fucking love me. I look like an assassin droid. You remember how I used to be a statue? Anyway, I'm your marshal now. Like, really? And everybody's just like, yay, I'm marshal. I just fucking find kidding me. I just will never stop laughing about the fact that they replaced Cara Dune with a robot. Look, I love I love IG-11. I love that That's he's back. That's funny to me. I I love that we have replaced the fucking transphobe with uh with a robot with who Taika was Waititi. Yeah, so much better. I'm so glad he's back. Uh, but also it was very womp womp of a moment for me. Like it didn't land with me at all. It made me uh snort and roll my eyes. So. <laughs> It felt very, uh, oh, we're at the end of the season. Let's tie off this character uh -huh. arc really fast. Hey, you remember that thing that we've been talking about this whole time about getting this IG droid put back together? I guess we should do that. They, <laughs> they decided to actually like follow through on something they hinted at earlier in the season. It's fucking weird. Um, it's, it's very bizarre. I did enjoy seeing Grief Karga's sexy ass again, though, so that was nice. Oh, I love him so much in this so season. Much. Well, I mean, he's going to be, what, president of the planet by the next <laughs> of season? everything, so, like, yeah. So he keeps elevating every season into and like a higher position. His cape gets longer position. and longer. Yeah. Right. So I think next.
next season he'll be president of the planet uh-huh. or like of the federation honestly he'll probably be a whole like uh, the federation the next, sure yeah he'll be a whole fucking senator <laughs> by the next movie Oh my god. The representative well, of Navarro. In there you the, go. In the yeah. New Republic. We know we know that we're gonna be seeing New Republic, and we know that Mon Mothma is currently the Chancellor of the New Republic. Now, thus far, as far as we know, she is the only person to ever hold that office. Mm-hmm. They retire the office after she does. But I'm just saying at the rate Grief Karg is going. I'm just give it a try. I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up being interim chancellor of the New Republic. He's such a goddamn delight. I love him. Oh my love god. Him. I desperately, desperately want to see him have to go talk to the bigwigs in the New Republic just so we can get him and Mon Mothman a scene together. <laughs> and then she can be like, oh, this is what an attractive man is like. Hold on one second. I need to go divorce my fucking hairnet of a husband. I'll well, be right right back well her husband's not around in anything post andor so like she might be free and clear to go gosh i hope whatever happened to him wasn't horrible and painful i hope he didn't get dragged away by the isb i fucking hate that guy um (laughs) i fucking cannot stand him cannot stand him oh charles you should he was he was like a victim too of the fascist system and i'll grant you that it, he's also in a system that's taking advantage of him but i personally hate him i think he so likes the system him. though he loves so. the system and it's gonna chew him up and spit him out and frankly i can acknowledge that's gonna suck for him while at the same time going you kind of deserve it yeah fuck him um so that chair that mando is sitting in on the porch of his little homestead is available yes, at costco <gasps> Yeah, you you can get them at Costco. It's, it's oh, there. Okay, I yeah. love that. Cool. It's a really cute guy chair. On TikTok. There's like a guy on TikTok who always pulls props from the Mando show, and he's like, "You can buy it on IKEA's website if uh-huh. you just paint it black. Like it's the same thing. Like right." <laughs> so he has all these props. So you should tell him about that one. That's really funny. I think it was Costco. Don't quote me on that. But I'm gonna go with Costco. Um, okay. But no, he he is definitely uh, just kind of kicked back and relaxed. And I'm like, buddy nobody's around it's just you and the kid and the frog yeah take the helmet take the fucking helmet off air it out you know it smells terrible in there also what happened to the rule of like he has to take it off once a season to be paid as a face actor like he's not getting paid as a face actor so it's it's because he's off doing the last of us right this is how they let him do the last of us which by the way fucking phenomenal show oh my god unbelievably good so glad they did this how they got away with it was he is he confirmed he is voice only in the show he is not okay ever in so he's season. got so he's it got paid always, less for this season it is always latif crowder or brendan wayne in the suit he is only providing the voice this gotcha. time around okay. so he can go and be in the last of us and i love i love that that the character of the mandalorian is this this sort of gestalt of these three men it's fucking great i all absolutely the, all the best parts of all of them i'm Just glad too, that Just Brendan climbing. Wayne and Latif Crowder are getting the credit they mm-hmm. deserve. Because you talked earlier, Steph, about the flawlessness of how this is exactly like season one, Dan. Mm-hmm. It is the movement performance yep. of these two men in the suit that is pulling that off. So they're so fucking good. Fucking so incredible fucking good. that they're getting credited for the work they do. Because movement acting is hard. I can't do it. It's a I, skill set. 
I can really act okay, but I can't do any of this shit. This is a whole specialized skill set. So yeah, like happy ending for Mando and the Din family. Yeah, like they're going to go on adventures and we'll see them again later. And like, is, right. is it is it an ending? Because it's a happy ending for I've, everybody but the frog. I've been <laughs> teasing this transition. Uh -oh. I've been telling Bradley, I will explain the transition. It is weird. It is a, a weird transition thing. that yeah. it goes into a circle. We have seen that circle three times in Star Wars before. Okay. Phantom Menace, A New Hope, and The Force Awakens. What circle are you talking about? The circle white transition that they do, where it- Oh, you're literally talking about in. a transition. Okay, I'm literally ahead. talking about the transition. Like, it is the first chapter of each trilogy. So that is a way of symbolizing that this first chapter has now closed. Hmm. This story is told, there will be more, but this is the close of this first chapter in Din Djarin's and overall the Mandalorian story. I, like I mean, it, it makes like it. sense because if you think of the first three seasons of Mando and Book of Boba Fett as like one complete story, then it's like, okay, that's the first chapter of the novel right. of the Mandoverse. And so like, that's it. Cut. Now we're moving on to Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew. Like that's it's, like the next bit. Yeah, it's the first book. And we know Skeleton Crew is going to follow on for Mandalorian because Vayne is back right. in mm. it. And we know Ahsoka is going to follow on for Mandalorian because she's looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn. Also, the magistrate is in the trailer and I was so oh. happy when I saw her. Oh, I was like, oh my Give God. Give me all the Diana yes. Lee and Asanto. Oh, give me that. Uh, but yes, this chapter of the story is over. Uh, I do have one more note before Bradley goes into the directed by and written by credits. Mm -hmm. And that is, once again, I will continue to echo my complaint that I have had for the entire show and will continue to have that the concept art is so much fucking sicker than what's on it's the screen. It's pretty fucking dope. The it's pretty fucking battle dope. has just... Tie interceptors everywhere. There's a Gazanti freighter fucking exploding in the background. Like, it's just this beautiful, colorful explosion. Like, the clone room is like this ominous, long, spooky, spooky. hallway. And then Mando, like, has this dramatic shoot the thing. And I'm like, this is so much cooler than, like, what's actually in the episode. I Alas, but it, it, that is often the case. That is often the case. Yeah. Though the one that will eternally, like, I will be mad about this until my dying day, I will pass away furious about this, is the concept art bit of Cara Dune and Finnick Shand fighting back to back in the uh, season set, season two, episode seven. I forget the name, uh, The Believer. Mm -hmm. uh, there's concept art of them fighting like in a hallway. And I was like, did you have an entire scene with these two women fighting together that you cut out? And they sprinkled water on their face. That's, <laughs> That's how you know they did cut something out. It's right there. All right, Bradley, you want to take us into the directed by and written by? Yes, this was directed by Rick Femiwa and written by John Favreau. Mm-hmm. It cannot, sure was. So, <laughs> cannot say shocker, enough shocker. nice things about Rick Femiwa's direction, and John Favreau wrote this episode. Yep, he was also there. <laughs> he was also there. Great. So, uh, now <laughs> we can go into uh, the best part, which is... Steph, any final thoughts about this episode as a whole or the season as a whole since you won't be with us during our retrospective? Uh, you know, there were parts of the season that were just the goddamn most delightful. I'm specifically talking about the episode with Lizzo and Jack Black. Um, there were parts of the season and, and, and this episode that were just like the Star Warsiest and just so fucking cool. 
Um, but really the standout for me for this season, because this season was kind of all over the map for me as far as like the writing and consistency and story through line and everything. The the standout for me was the consistency of Din Djarin's character. Like you can see a shining Beskar thread of this character all the way back to the very first episode of The Mandalorian. When we first saw him and he shows up in that one cantina and tells the guy he can bring him in warm or he can bring him in cold. That's the same fucking guy. Now he's gone through some stuff and he's had some character arcs but it's the same fucking guy and i just love seeing him in this it's fucking great that's it that's what i got my final my final thought on the episode is uh i liked it better on the second viewing i i liked it fine when i first watched it uh but watching it again especially after the sort of us going through and covering it and going through the previous seven episodes and when i knew what was going to happen i was able to kind of be like okay yeah i kind of see how this is a culmination of a lot of character arcs and this is fun like i don't feel any narrative tension mm. this is fun like okay i i enjoy watching the uh, lightsabers and this electro staff weapon do the clash clash and then the ship do the boom boom and it, it does the serotonin in my brain and that is my final thought on this episode there you go nice uh for me i will just say that you know i think what this episode does is really well is hey here's a lot of really cool fucking things and then <laughs> that's it like you know let's just introduce these few little fun fucking things and yeah you just watched a finale of a show that's been on for two years now and that's it now honey we'll do this show's been airing year. since like, 2019 oh you know what i mean it, it's been seasons. on for but yes two seasons you know what i mean so good try though Good try. Two seasons. And it's like, you're like, uh, well, we're in the third season of the of a show. And I always tell people that when you're watching these TV shows that go on for probably five or six seasons, it's the third season is always the wacky season or like the, like, hmm. let's just fucking throw shit at the wall, like just to see what happens because we already know we're getting a fourth season. So we can do, this is the experimental season. We can do whatever the fuck we want. And because we already know that we're not canceled. We already know there's another one coming. So let's just fucking do weird shit and I feel like this episode definitely decided like, you know what? Let's just have some really cool shit. Doesn't have to make sense. Doesn't have to mean anything. Like, hey, let's introduce the idea that Gideon has fucking clones just randomly sure. chilling in his basement. Like, why not? And then kill them immediately. Like, like, let's, <laughs> like let's just You get that. one eye blink scare and that's it. Right. They're that's dead. It. You never see them again. We're never going to talk about them again because they're all dead. So there you go. <laughs> that's, that's my final thought on the episode. Well, go. Steph, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank on you for this having me. Lovely discussion mm-hmm. of the finale. Uh, Steph has just become our Mandalorian finale guest, apparently. Okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, Steph, Sign me up. Would, would you like to uh, inform all of the people where they can find you if so they choose? Hey, I don't know if you guys have heard. I have a podcast. <laughs> I think I may have mentioned it. It's once called or Dark twice. Side Divas. Um, no, it's I, I, there's two. There's Dark Side Divas and Marvin. Mar- Marvelous Divas. It's the Divas Podcast Network, if you will. Um, and you can find us, uh, I mean, the podcasts are wherever podcasts are. You know, they're not difficult to find. You know, it's the Apple Podcast, Spotify, etc. It's wherever you found this one. Um, uh, but uh, you can find us on all the social media, specifically for Dark Side Divas. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that fucking hellscape, and TikTok, also kind of a hellscape, but more fun. Um, for Dark Side Divas, it is at Dark Side Divas. For Marvelous Divas, it is at Marvelous underscore Divas. That's you it. That's where you find also- us. 
You can also go to uh, their YouTube channel, which is oh, under right. the Dark Side Divas brand, <laughs> uh, where they do the occasional live show and also recorded shows. And if you're so interested in joining their Discord, you can find them <laughs> at patreon.com slash divas podcast. Charles, are you being paid by the divas Patreon? <laughs> are like, are they like not. funding you? Like, I've I just like... listened to this outro so many times. <laughs> you know what it is? You're doing Chris's part of the outro. I don't listen when he talks, I so I don't know that that part Chris. even happens. Oh <laughs> so. my god. See, Chris, I did my part of the outro. Chris, I can do your job. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> He's starting his campaign now. Um, there it uh, is. I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. Oh, oh, I would, I would not dream of doing anything beyond the occasional guest spot on the Divas Unleashed YouTube show. Uh, because I can take Bradley. <laughs> Bradley I don't is know that you can. my weight class. I don't know that you can. Like, I'm seeing like a stone cold killer, particularly right this second. Yeah, don't let his uh, slightly dopey gaze fool you. Uh, behind behind <laughs> that, that, that that's the gaze of murder. Yeah, that's what that is. A stone cold killer. Oh my goodness. Nice. Well, Steph, <laughs> Thank you once again for joining us. Mm -hmm. uh, and Bradley, go ahead and run our socials so we can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and hopefully get some reviews. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. You, you left that out of your recap, Bradley, and I was going to bring it up. Because I felt like of all the moments in this episode that elicited some sort of reaction from I me. I definitely did say that. He, he did say, it. you really don't listen really when Bradley talks. I was going to say, wow. See, this is why no, I'm you not totally doing fucking it said it. I'm, this I, I, I'm <laughs> here to confirm you said <laughs> it. I heard okay. you say it. I listen to the first thing he says and the last thing he says. So Which I is why we're moving to that format next season. You know, that's a terrible way to listen to people, right? I'm just saying. Well, it's a good thing that I don't listen listen to Bradley. Hi there, Charles from the future. Again, I realized after we had recorded this episode that in all of the excitement of the episode you just listened to, I did forget to do some of the pluggables that we would usually do at the end, so I'm going to do those really quickly. Uh, you can also find me on Four Light and Dice. That is a TTRPG actual play podcast that's set during the High Republic era. Steph's co-host Chris is actually the DM of that podcast, and Steph has appeared on that podcast as the voice of I'm Not Going to Tell You. Additionally, if you want to know what Bradley does when he is not recording this podcast, you can watch the latest show that he worked on, which is Temptation Island, on USA Network on June 14th. I feel like it's going to be a very bad show, but I feel like it's going to be bad in a funny way. So, I mean, crack some mimosas and give it a shot. What do you have to lose? Thank you and back to the episode.